is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to a Monday edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily on a big week for WST. I'm coming to you live from Bar Canada in the Circus Sportsbook here at the D Hotel in Vegas. Looking forward to some NFL draft festivities later on this week. Andy McNamara is going to join me live here later on and uh, hopefully get out and see some of the uh, draft festivities around Sin City. Today, though, a big show, lots of hockey to get to. Cannot wait to have TSN hockey panel member and, uh, of course, former player, former executive, Dave Poulin on the program. Lots to get to with Dave, who, of course, was part as in person for both the ceremonies the passing of Mike Bossy and Guy Lafleur over the course of the past week. And we'll get Dave's thoughts on uh, the Winnipeg Jets going into the offseason. Many of you saw some of his comments last week on the Jets broadcast on TSN3. We'll get to that and uh, more from around the National Hockey League. Monday, we'll also have a full dose of Jeff Hamilton from the Winnipeg Free Press. Looking forward to having Hammer on. Uh, more on the Jets, maybe a little bit on Bomber Camp coming up a little later on. And before the end of the program, Mo Khan, our good friend in Montreal, um, we'll talk to him about the reaction in Montreal, the passing of Guy Lafleur. Um, but I want to talk to Mo about a big game tonight for the Toronto Raptors, who got the series back to Philly tonight. We'll talk about that a little later on. It's going to be a great, great show. Before we do anything, do want to thank the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day. Of course, our newest sponsor, Wallace & Wallace, F Apparel, Vita Health Fresh Market, Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge, Culligan Water, Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports, Breezy Bend Golf & Country Club, Not Auto Corp, Little Brown Jug, Princess Auto, Boston Pizza, the Nick & Nicky DQ Group, Canadian Club, Whiskey, and of course, our betting partners over at Cool Bet Canada. Uh, let's get this thing going and welcome in Michael Remus. Um, and first things first, Remo, I guess we have to uh, send some thank yous out because very proud to announce we are officially an award-winning show and podcast. Winnipeg Nightlife Awards went down on Saturday. We were incredibly honored to be finalists in the award that included all the radio stations as well as a couple local podcasts. And uh, Winnipeg Sports Talk got the award on Saturday night. How cool is that? Yeah, shout out to Winnipeg Nightlife Awards who uh, posted on Instagram today that uh, we won and, you know, they had the ceremony on the weekend. Uh, pretty cool. There is an actual trophy, so they messaged me. I will have to pick it up. You know, normally I have the uh, Home Run Derby trophy behind me right here, but uh, I'm going to have to get the Nightlife Awards trophy now as well. So uh, best podcast. Uh, it's on our Instagram, on our Facebook if you want to see the posts they put up. And uh, hit the like button on that. Uh, pretty uh, exciting stuff. I didn't even think we would be under consideration, but uh, there, well, there listen, you go. that's the that's the coolest part of it all. I mean, the fact that it was it wasn't just for podcasts, but it was podcasts and radio stations. And normally that wouldn't be a big deal. However, if you know how we ended up doing a podcast in the first place because they shut down our damn radio station, uh, pretty pretty cool. And uh, listen, you know we've talked about this before, and I know I jumped on with KNR a couple of weeks ago on their long form show. Uh, but the support that we, uh, along with the IC guys as well as Kenny and Rennie, have received since. 
what happened with 1290, we've moved into this digital space, has been beyond uh, what we could have hoped for. Um, we continue to work hard every day to try to have fun and uh, give some great programming and stuff for Winnipeg sports fans to gather each and every day. Uh, but let's face it, none of this happens without support of our sponsors. Um, and the sponsors are probably not in if we don't get that sort of, sort of support from everyone um, that enjoys the show, whether they're watching live on YouTube or uh, looking at the podcast uh, or listening to the podcast later on when we post it in the afternoon. So uh, overall, I want to give a shout out to the people from the Winnipeg Nightlife Awards that put this uh, uh, put these awards together. I don't know who nominated us or how we got to be a finalist, but uh, we're certainly appreciative of that. Um, and everyone... Uh, that went on the site and uh, voted for us and gave them feedback that they're enjoying Winnipeg Sports Talk. Uh, we uh, we are grateful for it. So, uh, you know, a little touchdown dance. I don't know whether it's a trophy. Maybe I would prefer it to be a championship belt, Reem, but uh, we'll try and defend yeah. it next year. But b- bottom line is we're having a lot of fun. It wouldn't happen without the contributions and support of all of you. And um, Obviously, we're pretty proud about it. So I uh, wanted to start that off by thanking everybody for uh, for that support. Now, as far as the program goes, I sort of mentioned we're here. Uh, you'll get some different looks over the course of our show this week because, as I mentioned, I'm at the D Hotel in downtown Vegas, uh, which is part of the, uh, the Circa property. So we're just adjacent from the Circa Hotel, which has one of the biggest sports books. If you ever see the VEASAN show, which I believe they sh- uh, play on uh, – 360 in the morning sometimes as well as the game plus network um you know we're uh, they're adjacent and it's essentially owned by the same uh, the same group uh but right here at the d hotel which is right on fremont in downtown vegas uh they've got a bar here called bar canada and it is a hockey themed bar they got a big stick they had a, uh, a replica stanley cup at times and bottom line is I got here last night. Uh, I was just basically checked in about five minutes into the first period, got my stuff upstairs, came down, and was able to watch the game, Boston-Montreal, Washington-Toronto. So I will tell you, for you hockey fans, if you want to find a Canadian beer and a hockey game on, the D Bar Canada, a great spot to do it. Now, I have the, the view today is the Circa Sportsbook, which is a part of this. It's just a great, great spot. Um, we'll certainly hit the lines later on, hit the cool bet lines, and I'm looking forward to my guy Danny coming in so I can cash my first ticket because I was on the Sharks last night, plus one and a half. And uh, oh my God, I'll ask Dave Poulin about what the heck has happened to the Vegas Golden Knights. That was a disaster for them getting scored on in the final second of the game and the Sharks winning in the shootout. A devastating loss of a point for Vegas, who now has to beat the Dallas Stars in their next game. They could be eliminated with a regulation loss to Dallas coming up in the next game. Uh, but Remo, I did get a chance to see most of the game last night. And uh, I gotta say, first off, the last five minutes of the second period was absolutely bananas. Adam Lowry going full Lexi Jamnov and putting it off the post. Wheeler with a great chance. Nikolai Ehlers getting in, um, and then all the goals in the third period. And listen, we know where this team is at right now. We know that it's all about next year in the off season. But considering. Uh, you know, the way they got worked over in those four games on the road. To be able to come back, give the home fans a victory, play well, play for each other, and people that are paying to come and see them play. Um, listen, I know there were some people that were bent because they want the the best possible draft pick. I think it was important for the team to come out to begin that homestand um, and, you know, show themselves that they do have it in them to play against teams like the Colorado Avalanche. And uh, I know from talking to people that were at the building last night, they went home happy, 
three more games for the Winnipeg Jets, but uh, at least for one night, I think uh, the uh, the men wearing Jet jerseys felt pretty good about their performance last night against uh, a hell of a team in the Colorado Avalanche. Yeah, and that's what they said. They wanted to come home and play for themselves, play for pride, and they had so many chances there at the second. You mentioned Wheeler. I mean, he had uh, breakaway, another one-on-one chance with the goalie, uh, and they just couldn't score. And, you know, Ehlers, you said, Lowry off the post. There were a lot of chances there. But then in the third period, Colorado gets on the board right away. Uh, you know, we can talk about this after, but it seemed seemingly like a two-on-two play, and Logan Stanley left his man to take the guy <laughs> Dylan had. I'm not sure not sure why, but he left uh, Comfer wide open. And, look, I had Comfer on drafting, so I was pretty happy about that. But if you're a Jets fan, you feel like it's just one Stanley of Stanley might have two. Yeah, look, <laughs> if you're, I was gonna say, if you're, you know, um, if you're a Jets fan, you know, this is kind of like a way a lot of other games have gone, where you get all the chances, you're doing everything but scoring, then you make one mistake, and you all of a sudden you're down one zip. But full credit to the Jets for keeping their foot on the gas, scoring not one, not two, but four straight. Um, you know, Wheeler. It's funny, you know, Wheeler had all these good chances. Like the one goal he scores, like bounces off the shaft of his stick. But hey, you go to the net, good things happen. He scores there. Kyle Connor with his 45th of, of the year, almost had 46 later. And Nikolai Ehlers uh, with his 27th. I know he's close to that prop that you had. So, I mean, he had that. Two that more. Goal. That was that was huge. I mean, the game was pretty much in hand at that mm-hmm. point. Ehlers getting the fourth goal was uh you would have thought, well, let's just say, uh, you know, you, you're in Las Vegas, you're watching a game. Everyone assumes that you're about to go catch a big ticket when you lose your mind when something happens. Um, there was a little hooting and hollering from my section when Ehlers scored. I will admit to that. I know Mitch is fired up. We've got three games, two more for Nikolai Ehlers. I think it is very, very possible. And as Ken said, Ken says he's getting 30. So that means three more goals. We'll take two. Um, so the Ehlers goal was big back to Stanley for a minute, because listen, so much, I think of these final games is going to be about, you know, some young players. Well, I don't know. I say young players, guys that maybe haven't had as many opportunities this year that have been with the club. Jansen Harkins, a perfect example of that. I heard last night, and I can't remember what this was. I think this was can on Kenny and Rennie after the game, the, the assist and a beautiful dish to uh, Kyle Connor for his 45th of the year. We'll get to KFC in a minute. That was Jansen Harkin's first assist since the Toronto game on December 5th. And I think it speaks to a couple things. Um, number one being just how rare it has been we've seen the fourth line out. And Jansen Harkins, unfortunately for him, has been in a fourth line role for the majority of the season. Um, so, you know, for him to get an opportunity to play with those guys in Dubois and Connor and have a little bit of success, very, very good for Harkins. Still, I mean, there's a number of players that have been in that bottom six. You wonder what their status is going into next year. I mean, you know, no matter what, we spent a lot of time talking about the top six and Mark Shifley and, you know, the fact that the Jets have had some issues scoring goals at times, and that is when they have been leaning on, you know, their top six as much as maybe any team and not playing the fourth line at all. Um, but they're definitely going to need to be a more balanced team next season. And, um, you know, whether Jansen Harkins part, is part of that mix, I'm not sure. But he did himself a, a service last night playing the way he did. And I think you saw some energy of a player that was really, really excited. And then Kyle Connor. I mean, he just continues to get it done. A uh, Jets record now since the team came back, beating Patrick Laine's 44 goals when the Laine was 19. 
45 on the season. I mean, who's to say that he couldn't pop another five in these final three games, Remo? Um, but of course, it is really now about some personal milestones. I mean, the wins and losses don't matter as much. Um, but bottom line was the way that they came out and played in front of the home fans, I think, was important. And uh, listen, full marks to the Winnipeg Jets for getting a win against the Colorado Avalanche. But as many people said afterwards, Reem, this is the sort of hockey that this team has been capable of playing. And it is just so frustrating that, you know, we're seeing glimpses of it now in game 79 of the season, considering where they're at uh, looking ahead to uh a playoff tournament that will not include the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, we're going to be looking, you know, doing full autopsy of the season. And I've enjoyed looking, you know, what we thought of them before the season, which is, you know, kind of why it's uh, so disappointing uh, here that they are not going to be in the playoffs. But you look at last night, and I agree with you, a lot of people pointing out, the, you know, you're in a game where you're out of the playoffs. You're not, you have nothing to lose. And they're still playing the fourth line here. Svechnikov and Brooks getting just under six minutes. And I agree, if you want to be successful, you got to be, you know, not relying, but you've got to be able to comfortable playing all four lines. And they haven't been comfortable playing the fourth line this year. Jansen Harkins has looked good at times, but you look at the production and it just hasn't been there. And I think there was a couple weeks ago where he did get bumped up and look good, but because of, you know, whoever was injured became healthy, he then, you know, was just bumped bump back down, but maybe that's worth a look him with a uh, Connor and Dubois. You know, you have the guy who's more of the grinder who can get the puck to the, uh, to the shooter and what the, and the big body and Dubois, uh, what Morgan Barron on the, yeah, he's playing with the, the Lowry Appleton. They seem to get that going. So, well, and, and that line, and to be yeah. honest, that line makes sense. And we've seen Barron play at a few different spots in the lineup right now. And, and who knows next year, he could be part of maybe a fourth line that includes David Gustafson. I'm not sure. But I do think it makes a lot of sense. As much as it was great to see him play in the top six, he had that great game against Montreal, you know, to see how he can fit for a number of games with Adam Lowry and Mason Appleton. Because I think it's pretty clear that one of the lines next year will in all likelihood be Adam Lowry with Mason Appleton on the right side. Who's a good fit on that left? And listen, Barron can skate. He's a big body. We've seen him be good along the boards, winning puck battles. Um, and for that line, and listen, Adam Lowry scored, what was it, 13 last night? I mean, I think he's had a great second half of the season. If you look back to the first half, I mean, he had a ton of different line mates and nothing really clicked. And certainly from an organizational standpoint, who no matter who the coach is, finding a, a unit with Adam Lowry and assumingly Mason Appleton, they can get back to the cycle that, you know, spending a lot of time in the other team's end, like they have done for a number of years, uh, has to be a big goal to, uh, for next year. And I think Morgan Barron is a guy that is intriguing when it comes to potentially playing in that position. So uh, he's getting a little bit of run and he'll have three more games to show what he can do, presumably playing on that left side with uh, Appleton and Lowry. Yeah, Adam Lowry, you know, as you said, it was a slow start to the season. Uh, before the All-Star break, he had three goals in 42 games. After the All-Star break, he's got 10 goals in 34 games, and he's close to hitting a career high in goals. And, and you know, there's a lot of issues with this Jets team. Uh, you know, one, they give up too many goals. We've seen that this year, team defense, but also offense, you know, relying too much on the top two lines. And it seemed like for most of the season, when one was scoring, the other wasn't. So then you need to rely on some of your bottom six scoring. And as you said, it wasn't there from Lowry. And that line in the first half, the fourth line doesn't get played and they haven't produced. So you need Lowry and Appleton. And if it's Barron next year, those guys to be producing. But I I mean, we'll have to wait and see what happens in the offseason. Do they bring someone in 
Um, you know, it's kind of funny how nice Andrew, we talked about it last week, how nice Andrew Kopp would look on this team right now, but they, <laughs> they traded him away uh, for two second rounds to Vegas. But uh, Hey, unrestricted free agent in the yeah. summer. Throw some big money at Kopp. Maybe you can sign him as a UFA. Hey, you know, you know he's gonna he's fits in here pretty well, and uh, I'm cu- we're all curious what that contract. We've been talking about that one for a while, so I think that's something uh, to watch. Well, or it's pull- going up. It's yeah. going up by the game, and and you know what? Hey, it's great to come in and make an impact in the 15, 16 games where cops really gonna make his money is start next week in the Stanley Cup playoffs. I mean, what an incredible opportunity he has. Um, you know, to show that not only he can be a guy that can play with top players and produce at like a point per game clip. Um, but listen, no matter who the Rangers play, there's going to be some incredibly challenging matchups for the Rangers against whoever that, that, you know, their opponents are in the East. We hope that they can make it to three rounds because that, of course, would mean the Jets are getting a first round pick as opposed to one of the two seconds that they acquired in the cop deal. But uh, nothing could crank his value more than a real strong playoff run, both offensively, uh, but also in the defensive role that we're so familiar with here, here in Winnipeg. I want to get back to Stanley for a minute, though, and at the same time, Dylan Sandberg, because Dylan Sandberg was awesome last night. Um, every time he plays, he looks more and more comfortable. Listen, I still think it was somewhat of a mistake to take him out after that one game in Florida, uh, but that's sort of the way that the Jets have operated with many players not named Logan Stanley so far this year. And listen, you'll recall, I mean, I I said last year during this season when he was playing, you know, I thought that he was showing a lot and I thought that the Jets would protect him in the expansion draft. And that's exactly what happened. But I don't know how there's any other way to say it than he, well, maybe he hasn't regressed, although I think there is an argument to be said that, but he certainly hasn't taken a step forward. And for Stanley to be back in the lineup last night with Sandberg the way that he's playing, with the opportunity with Nate Schmidt being out, I mean, to make a play like that in a 0-0 game, um, you know, it could be devastating to his future. I mean, the Jets have a number of other options. They, they've put a lot into Logan Stanley. They've, you know, they've you know, grown him through junior, through the Manitoba Moose, cracking the lineup last year and showing a lot. Um you know, just a decision-making like that was, I mean, literally, it was stunning. I have no idea. I watched the replay about a dozen times what in the world that he was thinking. And, um, you know, like, that's not going to earn any confidence from coaches or from management, despite how much has been put into it. And then at the same time, room, you've got Dylan Sandberg that goes out and that looks like a veteran player. I mean, he does not show any of the... Uh, um, you know, issues you often sometimes see with rookie uh, rookie defensemen, uh, and not to mention, you know, willing to put his body on the line to help out his goaltender, Connor Hellebuck. That block that he made last night at point-blank range takes a lot of balls to do, but that's exactly what you want from a defenseman. So uh, I saw Brandon Rewicki saying, can we start talking about Dylan Sandberg as a top-four player for the Jets next year? We'll see how that shakes out. Bottom line is, if we're talking stocks after last night's game, Sandberg going up. And uh, listen, it might be sell time for Logan Stanley. There still will be just the fact that his size um, and what a big man he is and what he has shown at times in the National Hockey League. I have no doubt that there'll be interest. Like, I think this guy's going to play in the National Hockey League for a long time. But considering the options that Winnipeg Jets have right now, Reem, 
Um, it might not be here because there's some other guys that I think they're proving they might be better options right now when they get the odd chance. And of course, the Moose playoffs will be another run for a number of those players to show what they can do and try and uh, get to the front of the line to be a part of the Winnipeg Jets next season on that blue line. Yeah, that's the story of the Jets season. They brought in these defensemen, Schmidt and Dylan. And Schmidt was injured last night, but they seemingly had capable defensemen ready maybe this entire time. Uh, Dylan Sandberg, he did get injured in training camp, but when he's come in, he's looked good. Uh, Villahainala is one of the top prospects. He was up there on uh, on Craig Button's list. Uh, and Kovacevic and Chisholm looked more than capable as well when they came in. So uh, what, what are they going to do in the offseason? Do they send out a veteran? Uh, or do they trade one of the young guys for another young forward? Because it seems like as far as forward goes, they don't have a lot of uh, young forwards ready to step in. Um, so that is, there, there's a number of ways they could go. One other way we could go, and before we get to Dave Poulenhas, we should uh, bring this up. Uh, Elliot Friedman on the weekend mentioning Pierre-Luc Dubois. Just, he didn't really say much. He just said, keep an eye on the situation here. He's two years <laughs> away. He's two years away from free agency. Um you know, the Jets aren't really trending the right way this season or the way you'd like to. I mean, if he's not going to sign long-term, just keep an eye on it. And that's kind of all he said. I don't know what to make of that. All I can say is this is what Elliot Friedman said, a hockey insider. Keep an eye on it. And I find it interesting. I'm, I'm not really well, sure. I, but I, I feel like Dubois would be a guy they'd want to be able to sign long-term. But I guess the question he's saying is, does Dubois want to sign here after this miserable season? Yeah, well, I mean, that that's real. Um, this has been an incredibly disappointing season, but at the same time, he's had a great year. And, oh, by the way, he, for the most part, and is back to playing with Kyle Connor. and I know he had some great success with their Tammy Panarin, but, I mean, if you're a center right now and you're looking ahead at what makes sense for you, I mean, listen, you want to be on a team where you enjoy it, you like the guys around it, uh, and you want to you succeed. Uh, he'll have as good a chance as any to succeed with Kyle Connor on his wing here in Winnipeg. But as far as the, the, the Friedman report goes, like you're right, it didn't really say a lot, um, but it's obviously coming from somewhere. And listen, this might be a bit of a flex from Pierre-Luc Dubois' agent, reminding everybody how important this player is. And listen, I'll just say this right now. If Pierre-Luc Dubois walks after two years from the Winnipeg Jets and, the, and that's what the Jets traded Patrick Laine for, um, it will be uh, devastating to this franchise, this organization. And I think because of that, I would assume that Pierre-Luc Dubois' agent knows that they are in a very advantageous bargaining position. And maybe this was just a little bit of a reminder. But to hear Elliot say, we'll see what happens. And, you know, maybe we'll hear Dubois' name mentioned in trade talks. Um, that was not very fun for most Jet fans to stomach. Um, but I will caution... A lot of this is posturing through the media. The insiders, if you will, get, ah, they get used sometimes, whether it be by general managers or whether it be uh, by agents. Um, and sometimes the fans are caught in the middle and have to make sense of it. I'll tell you what, we'll be asking Dave Poulin about that in just a second here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Hey, before we do that, a big thanks to our friends at Wallace & Wallace, Winnipeg's fencing and overhead door specialists. You've seen their fences and trucks all over the city. They've been doing it for over 75 years. If your property needs the security and protection of a new fence, or if winter's done a number on your old one, 
or maybe just this weekend, uh, give them a call. Vinyl, ornamental, welded wire, chain link, or wood. They've got the right fence for you. And if it's time to replace your garage door, they've got Winnipeg's largest selection of overhead garage doors. Give them a call at 452-2700. One of the Wallace & Wallace experts can come by and give you a free estimate. Or you can also visit them at wallacefences.com or pop down to their showroom on Lawson Road off of Keniston. Hey, our friends at F Apparel are ready for the summer. Uh, every guy needs at least one suit that fits and looks great. And F's custom-made suits start at just $400. Uh, weddings coming up, graduations and more. They're the top choice in Winnipeg for wedding and grad suits. If you've got a big event coming up and you need to look great, F is here for you. And don't forget, wedding parties get 15% off when the group buys their suits from us. All the new summer fabrics are in over 250 or more. Give them a, a pop down and see them at 190 Smith Street or see them online at F, uh, ephapparel.com. And of course, our friends at Vita Health Fresh Market are stocked with Winnipeg's best selection of local, organic, natural groceries, supplements, and beauty products, all at great prices with an amazingly knowledgeable staff trained in these projects to help get you what you need. We've got a delicious grab-and-go deli with healthy options, including Vita Market salads, soups, and sandwiches. And they've now got a fully redesigned website, fully shoppable at myvita.ca, so you can order online and schedule a delivery with Instacart. Seven locations in Winnipeg, including the newest one in Linden Ridge, and again, online at myvita.ca. All right, so Dave Poulin coming up in just a second. Uh, oh, and by the way, a big shout-out to our friends over at Aikens Lake. They are still looking for a few university students for the summer. Work in paradise at a five-star fishing resort that I cannot wait to get out to. Find out more online at aikenslake.com or at Aikens Lake on Twitter. Uh, and again, very limited availability as they're having their biggest summer ever out of the pandemic. Uh, but if you want to find out more, talk to our good friend Pitt over at Aikens Lake. All right, let's bring in our good friend Dave Poolin. Lots to get to. Pooley, how are you doing, my friend? We're kicking off a week in Vegas. No better person to do that as our first guest than you, my friend. How are you? I'm doing very well, thank you. I will tell you that I think I have to move to Winnipeg because I'd like to work at Aikens Lake this summer. I'm going to call Pitt when I hang up here. <laughs> and every single one of your sponsors is something I need personally. <laughs> so, we, like, every time you say something, I'm like, oh, i got to get that number. <laughs> I wonder if they do road trips. <laughs> like, Dave, I am got you. so not handy. Like, I am not even remotely handy. And I was doing other things, I guess. And... I just laugh when I'm listening to your ads. I'm like, man, oh, man, they got the best list of sponsors that could be created for a guy like me. Well, we're uh, we're pretty lucky. And uh, listen, I mean, uh, there's a lot of guys uh, of our vintage here that, um, you know, have uh, have needs. And listen to the support we get from the people that are on board of the best. But I, I will awesome. say this, Aikens Lake, if you ever get out here, we'd love to get you to Aikens Lake. because I'm going is... to Aikens Lake. I want to work there. <laughs> That's right. Oh, there's Pooley on the dock. Dave, can you grab a 12-pack? We're going back out for the afternoon. Um, Dave, listen, I want to talk Jets with you as well as some of the other stories in the National Hockey League. But, you know, the hockey world lost a couple of legends recently and um you were there for the you know the ceremonies for both mike bossy and gila fleur played against these individuals i mean we have remiss without remembering those two um from someone that probably knew them as well as any with you on the program today thinking about it going back and forth with michael and and it had been two weeks and and i'm, and I'm like is it really just 10 days since i was in montreal and the islanders were playing 
Montreal, and it was the night that Carrie Price came back, which brought so much energy to it. It was just an absolute buzz. It was Easter Friday, and you could feel it on the streets. I mean, from the minute I landed. And then, of course, the tribute to Mike Bossy. And I always thought Mike Bossy was the one that they got away from them. He was the great French scorer, you know, and you could say Mario Lemieux. And, but the rules had changed only, you know, a, uh, a little bit of a bigger handful years before Mike Bossy with the draft and the way it set up. And, and of course, Montreal had passed him over in the draft and, and two teams had passed him over twice, but he was from Lavelle. And he was such a legend there. And to see the tribute they did to him and the respect they had for Michael, and then, you know, and then a short, you know, week plus later, we get the news about Guy Lafleur. And, you know, I had written a column the week before Mike passed away. We knew he was sick. And I had written a tribute to him while he was still alive. And then, you know, my, my editor called and said, you know, I hate to do this to you, but you know, it's almost two and three weeks. You're writing about boyhood legends that I followed and then got to play against both, more against Bossy than against Lafleur, but both just special guys, different types of scores from each other, Andrew. Um, Bossy went to unusual places and he was more the evasive, elusive, pure scorer, whereas Guy, and, and when they showed that too many men on the ice goal against Boston, that was so vintage key. Picks it up below his own goal line, starts up, ah, circles back, goes back again. <laughs> you know, there's two minutes left in the game. The hair is flying, and then the give and go up the side. And even the goal, the slapper, right along the ice, right inside the far post. And a goal we don't see scored today. We just don't. And goalies have changed their style so much in the way they attack things. But the big slap shot and the stick halfway up in the rafters on the on the rafters rather on the on the backswing and and so last night you know and I will say that Montreal does those types of things so right and even last night the you know the well-renowned PA announcer Michel Lacroix he tried to stop the crowd and the chants and and the um, applause I think three full times. And then it was ebbing and flowing, and, and, and he, he wasn't even picking an ebb. He was just trying to stop it, and the crowd would increase it and be chanting even louder. And then he stopped it, and it was almost like, okay, well, and I looked down, and it was the 10-minute mark for number 10. And it was like, who thinks of those things, Andrew? Who thinks of those things? And someone does in Montreal. and. You know, they were paying tribute to, to one of their greatest legends ever. And he's actually going to lie in state um, May 1st and 2nd, so next weekend. But it was, you know, I've been a part of two powerful things in the last week um, as a spectator watching from the broadcast booth. Well, Dave, um, I mean, both of those. I mean, I remember even as a kid watching, you know, Mike Bossy, probably the most consistent scorer I mean, you could put him up against the greatest of all time. I mean, this you know, guy scores 50 in his sleep. But Guy Lafleur, and I think we saw this quite a bit, um, you know, yesterday with that very unique celebration of Guy by the fans. He wasn't just uh, he, he wasn't just a, a great hockey player. He was he was an icon. He was a um, he was as I mean, you know, you think about the unique society that Quebec is, and the Montreal Canadiens have a special place. But he was superstar player, movie star, 
hometown hero all put into one. And um, I tell you what, the outpouring of, um, I don't know, it, it grief, but also the incredible memories of Guy just goes to show. I mean, this is the most storied franchise in hockey history. I mean, you're putting that Mount Rushmore together. I mean, there's a lot of guys yes, that are in, are. but I'll tell you what, it's uh, hard not to imagine the uh, helmetless dome of the great Gila Fleur being right up there with the greatest Canadians of all time. And uh, man, did we see it last night at the Bell Centre? No question. We had a chance to chat with Marty San Louis before the game. And I said, obviously, Marty, you grew up, you know, in Quebec, you, you knew the Canadians, you knew them from the outside. You were a part of some proud franchises in Tampa with the Rangers. You won a cup in Tampa, but to be there on the inside and watch what's gone on now. And, and I said, do you look at it differently? And do your players understand? Is it a 21 year old Cole Caulfield, a 22 year old Nick Suzuki, a 22 year old, Alexander Romanov, do they feel the pride and the responsibility that comes with that? And the coach just looked at me and he shook his head and he said, I, I really hope they do. And I hope they understand. And, and it's a burden. I mean, that's what it is, right? The whole passing of the torch. It's a burden to wear the jersey. You don't just get to wear it. And, and they are in a down cycle right now. But I believe that that new management group there with Jeff Gordon and Kent Hughes, and the coach, uh, Martin Saint-Louis, I, I think they'll go in the right direction before too long. TSN's Dave Poulin with us on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Dave, let's get to the Jets. I uh, was interested to hear uh, your and the rest of the TSN panel speaking last week about, you know, where this team goes from here. Um, you know, let's face it, this has been an incredibly disappointing season. There wasn't many of us that thought that this team, never mind not being a cup contender, but would not even be in the mix for the playoffs for the better part of the last month of the season. And it creates some incredibly and potentially franchise altering decisions going in. And you had said, listen, you, we can't just feel that this is an aberration. I mean, I think, and I agree with you. I mean, you look back to, you know, what happened in the second half of the 18, 19 season, bowing out in the first round after being the number two team at new year's that year, and having been to the conference championship the year before and being so close to get to the Stanley Cup final, um, it has not been progressing in the right di right direction. Um, from your opinion, and from your perspective, I guess, if you're Kevin Dayoff, how significant are the changes that need to be made for the Winnipeg Jets in this offseason from a hockey perspective, never mind trying to maybe regain the faith of uh, a fan base that has become a little disillusioned watching what's happened this season? Well, I think the changes will be significant. And, you know, if you look at the team that went to the conference finals and the direction they were going in at that time, they had a young group and, and their core, you know, four years ago now. And that was a team that, I mean, that looked every bit like it was going to be around for a few years. And I know it's fashionable to say, well, we don't just want a champion. We want to build it, you know, to last a long time. You've got to build a championship first <laughs> before you have a hope of lasting, you know, and doing it multiple times. And I look at that team and, and, you know, the changes that came were at the defense position and, you know, in the unexpected retirement of Dustin Bufflin and, and that you couldn't know. And if the timing of that is different, you make a different decision on Tyler Myers or Ben Sherratt, which is very, very possible. And Truba's an outlier. You know, there, there were different extenuating circumstances involved in that deal. And you ended up with two pretty good pieces back in um, Neil Pionk and the draft pick that became Vili, Vili Heinola. And so I, I think there was 
maybe a delay in trying to fill those positions. There wasn't a rush to do it. You had to see what you had first. But but coming back two years later and, and bringing in Brendan Dillon and Nate Schmidt, I think everyone agreed, well, our defense is better. And the pieces just haven't clicked. And when that's the case, then changes have to be made. And I can still remember that the first Philadelphia team I joined, Andrew, was, was the end of the, of the Broad Street Bullies. And my, my first two line mates, um, and I brought it up last week because the first time I played against Guy Lafleur on left wing, I had Billy Barber. On the right wing, I had Rick McLeish. And I remember Billy Barber saying to me, if we don't win, we're not going to stay together. We're just not. And, and what people didn't realize about that Philadelphia franchise, I believe Bobby Clark was the first Philadelphia Flyer to retire healthy. And, and they moved their players. And late in their career, you know, they had the pedigree and, and they moved their players. And, and it was part of the way they did business. And Keith Allen, the very successful general manager, just flat out did that. And that's kind of the way Clark, he was as GM too. I mean, I was his captain. He, he traded me at 31 years old. And, you know, just it's time to move on and, and time to make changes because we're not winning. If you win, then it's different. And so I think Winnipeg's in a position now where they still have an excellent young core and, you know, and a, and a couple of core is one thing, but when you've got a Kyle Connor and, a, and Pierre-Luc Dubois and a Nick Ehlers, that's, that's pretty significant. Now, you know, you've got a couple of, of, well, you've got one senior statesman and the captain, Blake Wheeler, and you've got Mark Scheifele. Those are the two, you know, highest profile, best players. How do they fit? And that's a question. I think that's a candid conversation you have with them. And it's a candid conversation you have with your staff. and. And, you know, it may come down to the best interests of one of them that says, okay, you know, I can see, you know, that my time here, you know, um, may be short-lived and, and it's time to make a change. And, and that may be in the best interest of the player as well. Everybody assumes it's always in the best interest of the team. It could very well be in the best interest of the player. So, you know, changes happen. And, and I think they're at a stage now where they've pushed this pretty hard with this current group and they have to look at some major changes. And I think they will. Well, and Dave, you know, you mentioned those two. And I mean, listen, Blake Wheeler's the captain. I still think that he can be an effective part of the solution moving forward. And whether he's the captain all that entire time or whether there's a bit of a changeover in the leadership group, um, you know, I, I think. And the other part of it is, I mean, there's a no move on his contract. It's eight and a half million at his age. It's not as easy to move that. Shifley, and I've been talking about this since since November, and at the time it was more just looking at the organization. Hey, you're going to have two years left on a deal. Are you going to give him a massive extension and keep him as a jet for life at the age of 31? Will you even be able to do that? And if that's not the case, you might need to think about the value of that player on the market and what it could do for you before you lose it for nothing or have to really make some sacrifices elsewhere to keep that player. Watching him throughout this year, though, Dave, I mean, I'm sort of with you. I'm not sure there's a guy that might need a change of scenery more than Mark. And, you know, you look at the Jets' height of, you know, like where they were the best they've seen. It was that Nashville series, and it was Mark Shifley in 14 goals and 17 games in those playoffs. Um, we haven't seen a lot of that. Listen, the offense is still there, but um, I don't know whether it's the burden of being the guy or what, um, but I'm sort of with you. I mean, I think a potential change of scenery could do him well. And at the same time, Dave, trading a player like Shifley that's making just north of $6 million with what he's done before with two years left on a deal, I think the other part of it is, I mean, that is an asset that can get you some pretty significant return on it that could maybe help you really reshape this team around this new core of the players like Connor and Ehlers and Dubois. 
Well, it very well could. And, and I and I think of my teammate, Billy Barber, saying that to me. And, and I remember when I got traded, it was a shock to me. I mean, it was a real shock. Now, we had been to the finals twice in the conference finals within the previous four plus years. So we'd had a great run, but we hadn't won. And, and, you know, and this is Bob Clark now, who was one of my closest friends as a player, was now the GM and vice president. And it, it stunned me. It shocked me, Andrew. There were no rumors about it at all. It was traded in January. And what I came to realize after was it was the best possible thing for me. And, you know, and I, I, there's no way I was willing to admit or ready to admit that I needed a change, but I did at that point in my career and, and just personally. And I went to Boston and really had a good three and a half years there and really solid. And we went to the finals again and went to the conference finals three times in four years. And I was part of, you know, something I couldn't have even imagined early in my career. The, the thought of putting another jersey on was just so foreign to me. And yet it happens to most players and from a business standpoint. And I remember um, ghost penning an article, a term I grew to hate was it's part of the business, but it is part of the business. I've been on the business side of it as challenging as it is for me as a player, it was the right thing. And, and Clarkie knew me very well and he knew it. And, you know, he saw in my game that there was potentially more that was going to happen uh, in a different environment. Well, and I'll say this, I mean, for a team like Winnipeg in the smallest market in a cap world, um, you know, you have a player that's meant so much to the organization that's done so much as Mark Shifley. Um, I, I think you really do need to make your decision as to whether you're going to do whatever it takes to keep him there long term, or if not, um, you know, make something happen before you lose that player for nothing. And uh, it's going to be a fascinating offseason, Dave, I can tell you, you know, last year they made a couple moves and it was all like, all right, let's get ready for the start of the season. Um, I think the intrigue around this city and uh, on our program, really, you know, as soon as things get going and the Jets are uh, on their way for the offseason, because coaching is another big part of it as well. I mean, I got a lot of respect for Dave Lowry and I like him, but I realize that, you know, Paul Maurice, you've seen a bunch of other coaching changes where the teams had a nice bump up. That didn't happen with the Winnipeg Jets. And, right. you know, fair or unfair. This team, for the first time, has to concentrate on maybe winning back some fans to selling tickets for the first time and, um, you know, making a couple of minor or well, even major changes with the hockey team. But bringing back the same coaching staff, I think, would be really tough. When you look at this team, I mean, let, take Dave Lowry out of it because it's unfair to get you to comment on him as per se. But if you're looking at this Winnipeg Jets club with what has happened this year, but the talent that they have... Is there a type of coach that you think would make sense for Winnipeg? I mean, is it an experienced old veteran that's going to kick ass like Sutter's doing in Calgary? Or is it, uh, is, is, is something come to mind when you think of the Winnipeg Jets as to who might be the best person to guide them forward and hopefully back to where they were? When I was in the business, I kept a, a list in my top left drawer. And, and I did it through all my years and, and just... Even when I scouted, I kept a list for, for potentially being in management one day. And I watched coaches and I watched guys that I really liked. Um, I watched guys in the American League. I watched, I studied the bench. And, and I'm sure Kevin Sheveldayoff and, uh, and Craig Heisinger do the exact same thing. You know, Zinger goes to a lot of games. And, and I'd be very surprised if they each didn't have a list somewhere in their top left drawer, if that's where it is, that says, what about this? Some of it is success in where the person's been. Some of it is 
development of players that have played for that coach. Um, some of it is we know he's in a tough situation, maybe a cap strap situation. Um, you know, you know, and maybe it's just a unique situation where he's gotten the most out of his team. But I, I actually take pride in, you know, in in telling you that I looked at a young Dean Evison coach in Milwaukee and said, and I played against Dean, so I knew that the compete level and said, I think he's an NHL coach. And so what kind of guys are there? You know, guys like that. And, and I'll tell you another name that that I think along those lines of a Dean Evison uh, is Lane Lambert in um in that's been Barry Trotz's right hand man for you know a long time. So there I think there's guys at different levels. You're watching the success of a John Hines in Nashville. So I I I don't know that it's a specific type of coach. And you know, when I when I hired a coach in the American Hockey League, I interviewed guys that had NHL experience, that had American Hockey League experience. And I ended up going with Steve Spot, who was uh, in the OHL and the head coach of the Kitchener Rangers, I thought was the best fit personality-wise for what I was looking for. And part of it is that it's not just to coach your hockey team, it's to manage your hockey team and to manage your organization from the coach's seat. So you know, I, I don't think there's one specific guy out there, but there's a, a lot of guys that, you know, it may be someone in-house. It may be someone that you've worked with in your minor league system. It, it, it may be the guy that was there for the second half of this year who you want to talk to and say, okay, what did you see? And how do you have to change to make the results different than they were in the second half of the year? So I think there's a lot of healthy conversations ahead for the, for the management staff. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned Lane Lambert because he is a name that has popped up in the Winnipeg Sports Talk chat quite often. And let's face it, Barry Trotz is the dream, right? I mean, a Manitoba guy, but uh, yeah, but look I mean, at him probably not available. Lou's lap, <laughs> like he wasn't available to Lou either, and all of a sudden he wins the Stanley Cup. And oh, wait a second, he's not going to resign. And Lou Lamorello takes over and you know, on the island, and he falls into their lap. Like, what if that happens with that type of thing? And I'm a big Barry Trotz guy too. I, I Trotzy was our minor league coach my last year and in, in last couple of years in Washington when our farm team was in Portland and then in, uh, in Baltimore. And I'm a big trots fan, but you look at Elaine Lambert and you know, it's interesting that you brought it up as well, because that's just, I don't know Lane personally, but I just know I like what I see. And you know, I watched him when he was a minor league coach and I've watched him as an assistant coach in the NHL. Well, and, you know, we've often said, maybe this goes back to, you know, just the kind of the way that Paul Maurice operated, but they, Listen, there was a lot of excuses coming out from the game, from the, the team, you know, in post games when things weren't happening. And the one thing that Barry Trotz does not do um, is is make excuses. And, um, you know, it would be a it would definitely would be a different mindset, I think, for the club if it was Trotz or a guy within his tree that has a lot of Barry Trotz in him. And and maybe well, Lane Lambert could be that guy. Funny with him, though, Andrew, because, you know, so they don't make a single move at the trade deadline. They extend Zach Parisi and extend Cal Clutterbuck. And there's not like not a word about it. Like no one said, what are the Islanders doing? <laughs> like everybody just accepts it because it's Lou and Trotz. <laughs> and they're like, they must know something that we don't. Now they went to the conference finals two years in a row. So they, I think when you do that, you're allowed to look at the year. You got a bit more say, rope. You got a bit more rope. You just, you were a final four team two years in a row and you like some of your young guys. They're not quite there yet. And you're not willing to quit on your old guys. But I love the fact that, did you hear one negative word about the Islanders? No, I mean, listen, the Islanders were like that team. That, we all thought that they'd be contending again, and then they had that terrible start to the season. 
on and, the road. Yeah, well, exactly. They played their first 13 games. They got COVID before they were letting teams shut down for a little bit. I mean, they had a lot of things that worked against them. And if you've watched them in the second half of the of the year, and I realize not a lot of people have just because of where they've been in, I mean, they're still competing hard each and every night, and that's what Barry gets at them. That being said, if Lou thinks it's time for a change, I know of a team that would absolutely <laughs> love to have some room for Barry. Hey, before we go, Dave, so I, I'm here in Vegas doing the shows all week. Uh, I got here last night, watched the Jets-Avs game, and then sat down and took in the Golden Knights and the San wow. Jose Sharks. Um, wow. Listen, I, I didn't have the heart to tell Gary I had a Sharks ticket last night that will be cashed right wow. behind me when this is done. However, um, like the last week has been bizarre. Uh, like The whole season's sort of been weird for Vegas, but this Robin Lehner situation, he said he's he shut down, then he apparently was the backup last night, but they had an e-bug out for the skate before the game. Um, listen, a combination of the devastating nature of losing that point last night to San Jose, but also everything that is happening around the Vegas Golden Knights. What do you make of it? I, um, I thought I saw it coming. I'm going to say eight weeks ago, maybe. Uh, and I may have shared this with you. I walked into the TH set one night and Gino Reda said, what's going on? I go, Vegas is not going to make the playoffs. I'm going to say eight, eight weeks ago, good eight weeks ago. And he goes, come on, no way. You're crazy. You know, they're going to get guys back. And then Mike Johnson was coming on to do one of his Mystic Mike pieces. And I said, well, ask Mystic Mike because he knows everything, right? He's Mystic Mike. And so he said, hey, Mike, this is what Pooley thinks. MJ's like, yeah, I don't disagree with him, Gino. Now Gino was upside down. Right? He was like, there's no way Vegas is going to miss the playoffs. It's almost like too much change. It just, you know, they got all the new toys. They, everything that was available, they got, whether it was Mark Stone or, you know, Petrangelo or Max Pacioretty or Jack, whatever it was, they got, they got. And it just didn't work. It didn't work. It put them in a financial place that they were so overextended and couldn't move the pieces around. And, you know, even when I said that eight weeks ago, I thought, but I sort of think they're probably still going to make it. <laughs> and nope, uh, I don't think they're going to. And now it's just pure math. And uh, the whole laner situation is very strange because that was the choice ahead of Flurry. Like, think of the goaltending sagas you've had there. I mean, let's face it. You've made the playoffs four times in existence, went to the Stanley Cup finals. You've already fired a coach and general manager, which is amazing. <laughs> you talk about change. And traded a Vesna winner. Oh, I know. I know. I know. And, and just moved him. Basically just moved him. You yeah. know, you've been moved. And so um, now it's, well, it comes down to Tuesday night. A lot of people be tuned in for that Dallas game Tuesday night. It should be fun. Hey, uh, just quickly before we go, and I know there's still, particularly in the East, um, you know, some jockeying, and we'll find out where everything settles out. Uh, is there a particular first-round matchup that you are pr particularly excited to see or you're hoping comes to fruition uh, by the time uh, Game 82 is played? If I were a marketing guy, I would be thrilled to know that it doesn't matter. I'd be thrilled because whatever happens, you give me Sidney Crosby to play against, I love it. You get Whatever happens, Carolina... The New York Rangers, give me Vasilevsky. Now, if I have to play against them, 
I think that Tampa team's starting to roll, my friend. And and oh. I think, you know, they've had two eights and a six in their last three games on the positive side of the scoreboard. And you give two eights and a six to a guy named Vasilevsky, and one of them was actually uh, Brian Elliott was in that. But if he starts getting into a groove and you get a healthy Braden point back, Kucherov just looks like he's cruising right now. The left side of their D, you know, with Sergachev and, and – McDonough and, and a big guy named Hedman, boy, oh boy, I think they're going to be a force. If you're picking one team in the East, it starts in net, and that's where it starts. No, it is going to be phenomenal. And uh, I'm personally, I can't wait for Minnesota St. Louis in the first round. I oh, think that's going to that be great. Be and so much fun. My good <laughs> friend, Craig Berube, he'll be just, and, and Dean Evison, there's a couple of scrappy guys right there, <laughs> and their teams play like they do. No doubt about it. Hey, Dave, thanks so much for doing this. We'll talk to you soon, and I look forward to uh, getting a 12-pack on the dock at Aikens Lake from you at some point this summer when you're the dock hand. I'll be there with a big smile on my face. Enjoy your week out there. You're the best, buddy. Thanks for doing this. There it is, Dave Poole, and uh, you can catch him on TSN Hockey Coverage throughout the week. A uh, great friend of ours and uh, joining us semi-regularly here on Winnipeg Sports Talk as we get into the playoffs. One of my favorite hits of the week with Dave and uh, another one is coming up with Jeff Hamilton. Uh, just quickly before we do that, I have to give a big thank you to our friends at Culligan Water. I've been drinking Deja, Deja Blue here in, uh, in Vegas. I can tell you it's no Culligan. And uh, hey, Culligan has been synonymous with water services as a family-owned business for 65 years in Winnipeg. Um, they really do have it all. Water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, whole home systems, drinking water systems, and citywide water delivery services, as well as commercial and industrial water products and solutions. Whatever your water needs are for the home, the cottage, or the business, Culligan is there for you. 1200 Sargent Avenue, 694-5180 or find out more online at drinkhulligan.com. Don, the guys at Manitoba Battery have just finished up the big farm sale. Although for you folks out in the rural areas, you give them a call for whatever you need. And of course, put a phone order in. They'll have it all ready for you when you make it, you make it into the city at 1026 uh, Logan Avenue. And... We have extended summer hours as well, 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. down on Logan Avenue. So uh, I know Paul is a regular visitor down to Donnie in the game. Paul Edmonds, of course, whether it's for his boat or his camper or things that he's doing for the summer. Uh, but you got a busy work day. Sometimes it's hard to get out there. Uh, they're extending their hours till 8 p.m. So whatever your battery needs are heading into the summer, Manitoba Battery's got you covered. 783-8787 if you've got questions manitobabattery.com online or pop down and see him on Logan Avenue. And uh, hey, you know what? We're here at Bar Canada in Vegas at the D Hotel. Uh, it is a Canadian theme. And I, at some point before the end of the week, I will be showing off my new We Can Canada soccer shirt I picked up. Those are in. More Canada soccer gear coming in by the day. Blue Jays gear, Raptors, of course, Jets, Bombers, and more. When it comes to licensed merchandise for whatever league or team, no one has a better selection than Royal Sports. And in addition, once we uh, dry out a little bit around southern Manitoba and spring officially comes, 
or in reality comes, I guess I should say, we're going to be playing soccer, softball, baseball, running, fitness, biking, and more. And Royal Sports has it all. 750 Pemina Highway. And follow them on Instagram at Royal Sports Pemina for the latest merchandise drops, sales, deals, and more. All right, let's get to it. Welcoming in Jeff Hamilton to get the week going on. Hammer, what's up, man? How are you? Not as good as you, Huss. Never mind. Sin City. I see those people in your background going to grab whatever. I don't know if it's making bets or grabbing drinks. I hope they're not bothering you in your in your confines there. But uh, um, over, overall, I'm doing well, man. Absolutely <laughs> not. Listen, this is my scene here. Um, and you know what? We'll give a couple different looks throughout the week. Uh, we figured we'd have the sports book behind us right now. Uh, but right along to my right... Um, and you can maybe see it when Remus comes up with the background that he's got. Uh, we've got, I don't know, about 15 big screens. I watched the Jet game here last night, then the Good Knights and Sharks. And uh, they've got all the Canadian beer here, too. So uh, if you're missing Canada when you're in Vegas, you can come down here. Uh, and again, we'll show it off. And uh, I know there's a few people that actually that reached out on Twitter. They're going to be heading down. They'll maybe pop by for the show. So, uh, yeah, Log Shop and Winnipeg Sports Talk from Bar Canada all week. And uh, uh, it's great to be here. And you know what is funny? When I left, and I will be honest, I mean, you know how into the team and the games that I normally am. This mm -hmm. would not be a time where I would normally leave. But I figured, frankly, it, leaving at the end of the season might have been good just for my mental health from talking about this stuff all day. I will say this, though. Um, a performance like last night, considering how dreadful that road trip and the results were for the hockey club, I think really important for the organization, for the team. I mean, it's not going to matter at all for the standings. Um, but, you know, for the team to come back, and Blake Wheeler spoke to it last week. I mean, let's go. Let's play for the fans. Let's show some self-respect. And uh, I'll tell you what they did that. It is frustrating, though, on the other side for a lot of fans that know that this team is capable of so much more than they've shown. Um, and they did it last night against the Avalanche. Uh, oh, what did you think about the way this final homestand started, considering uh, the offer that they got on the road in that uh, meat grinder of a schedule out east? Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to... I think we've been dumping on, you know, these guys for, for a while and rightfully so I'm not as rosy in my, you know, analysis as you are Huss, in that, you know, I think it does in, inject maybe a little bit of good feeling in the locker room, you know, just because we all know how, you know, tough it is to, to win or sorry, to lose rather how tough it is, you know, especially at this time of the season when, you know, your fate's already, you know, for the most part been decided on. Um, but I mean, you know, other than that, I just, you know, and for the fans, I mean, the fans in attendance, obviously, I mean, it's been tough sledding for fans all season. So certainly, you know, a solid yeah, show them, them those something, made, you know what those I mean? Those who made it out and there was 14,000 something fans, which is a good sign um, in some ways. I mean, I don't know about you, but I've been getting emails, you know, that are, that are offering me Jets tickets here down the final stretch. So there's obviously a you know, a push from the organization to, to, you know, get some of those empty seats filled. Um, and so, you know, it's one thing to get them filled. It's another thing to deliver when they're there. So um, again, you know, obviously not a great season, not, you know, I don't, I wouldn't read into it as that, you know, they beat a, an avalanche team that, you know, had a few guys out also have locked in their position at the top of the, of the standing. So all in all, I mean, certainly I don't even want to say a solid two points because those two points mean nothing. I think a lot of fans would have, would want them not to be racking up the points at this at this at this point in the season. But 
Um, at the same time, I mean, I think there is something to be said, if you will, to ending the season on a high note. Well, think of the alternative. Think of the alternative. I mean, if the you put together those... The position in the standings, you know yeah, what I mean? But, it, it, exactly. But, but, but you but know what? Tougher sell to the fans. Like, as I said, I mean, like, some people, like, as I was, you know, listen, I said, hey, nice to see some guys get rewarded, you know, whatever. There were some good things in the game last night. You know, we'll take it. And a couple of people said, no, you should want them to lose every game. And I'm like, listen, I'm, if we're talking about a team that's like third or fourth from the bottom, and maybe you can get into that spot where you've got a better chance of the first pick. Okay, sure. Um, But at at this point, with the way that this season has gone, with how emotionally broken this team looked, to be honest, over the course of the last couple of weeks and what that has done to the feeling around the team. I really do think it, it is important. And I, I absolutely agree with what Blake said. And I mean, he didn't say that this is what we're going to do, but what he would like to see go out with some strong efforts, show the, show the team and the fans that they care. I think that will do far more to just the feeling around this team going into a very wild offseason with so much potential change as opposed to completely checking out. I mean, what's happening with the Philadelphia Flyers right now? Um, You know, and I know, I guess they did win yesterday, but previous to that, I mean, giving up nine in a game, I mean, completely bottoming out. Um, You know, like there is, like that building is not just a couple thousand empty seats, half empty. The Flyers don't even talk about them anymore. And again, it's a bigger market, but... Um, listen, I wanted to see some professional efforts to show guys that they care, to show that they're still going out, earning those checks and, and giving the effort that the fans deserve. They did it last night. Um, and there were some nice things to see. I mean, this season that Kyle Connors have, as much as, you know, we've talked about the losses, um, holy smokes. I mean, that the contract that he signed looks better each and every day. And as much as there is some uncertainty and we'll get to, your thoughts on Pierre-Luc Dubois and what Elliot Friedman had over, over, the, uh, over the weekend on Hockey Night in Canada. Um, Kyle Connor has proven he's been the most valuable player of this team so far this year. When you look at what is, he's capable of going forward, it is a pretty nice start. And uh, I'll tell you what, it was quite interesting to see Jansen Harkins, who normally has been in around three to four minutes a night playing on that fourth line, if at all, get a chance to play with those guys. First assist since December 5th. I heard Kenny say that last night. That completely floored me. Uh, but it sort of speaks to, you know, the lack of uh, a full performance of the team so far. But, I mean, as far as Kyle Connor, I mean, what a season he's had. And uh, that is a guy that, you know, you can build around going forward along with a few other of the younger players up front. Yeah, like how sad of a situation is it that we're talking about Jansen Harkins' first assist in, in some time and, you Incredible. know, uh, you know and, and a season, as you mentioned, Kyle Connors, that, you know, certainly statistically is, has been incredible. I, you know, I, I agree with you in the sense that, you know, you look at his, you look at his deal and it's, it is getting better and better. I mean, 45 goals doesn't break Timo Solani's, you know, you know, record, but, uh, you know, certainly, you know, they don't recognize the Jets 1.0, so there's some history there. I just, I don't know. Like all these are just, you know, they're desperate silver linings. They're, you know, they're just nuggets of information to me. You know, because at the end of the day, I mean, you can, and I don't want to be a sourpuss, but you know, you wasted Kyle Connor's awesome season of 45 goals. You know what I mean? Like, you know, guys that you never established a fourth line. So, you know, Jansen Hargens, you know, it's not all that surprising that he isn't getting assists because this team doesn't roll four lines. And so, you know, there's the other thing too, that, um, 
I just, I just feel like it's just, we've been, we've been exhausted in this situation, right? We've been waiting and waiting and waiting, but you know, Kyle Connor, let's bring up his contract because his contract's great because it's going to be used like Mark Shifley's contract was used. Uh, you know, we're not going to pay you more than Mark Shifley. Mark Shifley is, you know, he's leading our offense. He's our number one centerman. So they, they managed, even though they couldn't quite stick to that rule with guys like, Nick Eilers and with Kyle Connor, who got more money than Mark, obviously, they were able to use him as that contract. I think the Winnipeg Jets are going to use Kyle Connor's contract in negotiations with Pierre Luc Dubois. And I think, yeah, the, good luck with that. And I think the totally, but I think the <laughs> argument's going to be we view Kyle Connor as a top five, top 10 winger in the NHL. We don't, you know, do we view Pierre Luc Dubois as a top five, top ten center in the NHL? And I think that you oh, know, I'm sure that'll get him to sign. <laughs> Absolutely, but I just—that's what this organization needs to do. And I, you know, I don't necessarily disagree with it either. Um, it's just you know they're going to use that, and it's just it, whether it works is going to be completely something different. Because yeah, I mean, if I'm Pierre Luc Dubois' agent or anyone else who's being used that position, I'd be like, yeah, congratulations. <laughs> You sign the guy who, you know, to a, a, you know, a value contract that it's exceeding his value. If Kyle Connor was up for a contract now, is he signing the same deal? Obviously not. So, you know, but again, this is what this organization has done. It's, it's done with success. Yeah, they've um, done, like, we got to say it. I mean, they've done a great job for the most part of signing their young players to, you know, to their extensions. I mean, Hellebuck, Ehlers, Connor, Shifley. I mean, you can say what you want about the Wheeler deal, but, I mean, Wheeler had done so much and had produced at such a high level. If you wanted to keep that guy and you thought that he was your captain going forward, hmm. guess what? You had to pay it. So, I mean, I think that they have done that. But that does bring us to the Dubois situation. And I'll get your comments on what you heard from Friedman on the weekend. And, I mean, you've got a good experience. I kind of, my, listen, first, I'm like, I don't want to hear this. That was the first thing that I said to myself as I heard it. But well, listen, what was we, your take on it then? What do you mean? What, what, what in there did you not well, want to hear or not expect to hear? You know what? I, exactly. When you really dig into what he'd said, I mean, like, he just kind of stated the obvious. Yeah, well, if they can't get a deal done and he doesn't want to be here, then they'll look to trade him. Yeah, no kidding. But he's not saying that that is the case. And I've been pretty optimistic that, you know, the way that he's played, the way that he fits in. And I'll tell you what, having Kyle Connor on his wing, to be honest, is something that I think is a very good thing for the Winnipeg Jets going forward. But the bottom line is they have to get this done. And I don't know, my thought was that maybe this was, uh, you know, a little gentle prodding from the agent through Elliot Friedman to uh, let everybody know that, uh, hey, you know what, there's quite a bit of bargaining power here on this side, considering where he's at right now. Um, you know, some people, it was funny listening to Drew last night on IC, he had a very different take on it. He thought that, you know, this was maybe a flex from the Jets saying like, hey, you know, uh, you know, he could be traded. He could go out there. I, I, I don't think that they would go that way. And I thought Manuk made a great point that if it was really the Jets just looking historically, it probably would have been fed through Drager as opposed to through through Elliot Friedman. Um, the bottom line is none of it is groundbreaking, but it does for so many people that I think have thought that, okay, you know what, the Jets have a great record at signing their players. They absolutely know that Pierre-Luc Dubois is the number one priority for the offseason as far as extensions go. Um so just the thought to Jet fans that they might be hearing his name on the trade list at some point was uh, was somewhat unsettling. I mean, uh, do you think that that comes from the agent, or uh, or are you maybe uh, somewhere else on that? 
Yeah, I'm with you. Like I was going to say, get in real close, and I'll tell you this bit, this little secret about what uh, what the insiders do. Right? They they broker information. Yeah. So, what you know, how I took that was an obvious statement. I think you know, I this was going. This has been the topic, right? When whenever the, I mean, there's how many times have we asked the question, who won the trade between Patrick Laine and and Pierre Luc Dubois and and the Winnipeg Jets or Columbus? I mean, the reality was was that wasn't going to be answered regardless of what the players did leading up to their, you know, you know, the potential new deal. And as we know, Pierre-Luc Dubois is two years away from free agents like, becoming a UFA. Um, it was going to be whether or not the team could sign, the, you know, their respective player to a long-term deal. And so, you know, it, what's interesting to me about, I mean, we'll first start with the comments. I think the comments are pretty status quo, you know, like I think there's probably – Look, if you're Pierre-Luc Dubois' camp, I think Pierre-Luc Dubois wants to be in Winnipeg. But I also think Pierre-Luc Dubois and his, and his camp understand the Jets play hardball, right? They know, like, you know, as much as they've been able to sign guys to long-term deals, we've also seen them play extreme hardball, and we've seen guys leave. Jacob Truba. We've seen Andrew Kopp now. I mean, Yeah, but the Truba thing's different. The Truba, I mean, I think they had, they wanted him to sign. I mean, it wasn't that he, he wasn't going to get the money from Winnipeg. He basically told them, like, listen, I'm out of here. Figure it out. Kopp's mm-hmm. a different story. Kopp would have done it. L- listen, it's a salary okay, Morrissey. cap. Morrissey didn't even show up to camp without a deal. There's hard like the, well who the does that, they, if you don't have a deal you don't have a deal no that's no it's not about it's not about the fact that he didn't show up to camp without a deal it's the fact that he went to camp without a deal like that's what I'm saying it's just it speaks to the hardball I'm not saying it's not smart or it hasn't worked out it's or not or unique to the Jets though that I mean that happens it's, all I'm around I'm not saying it's unique to yeah. the Jets but it's com- it's more common with the Jets than most organizations I think you can make that statement the how they, long it goes they wait it out right they want to do bridge deals they and and right now they're facing what I would argue, their first real beyond maybe Blake Wheeler's situation, because Blake found himself in a very, very good situation, much like Mark Scheifele found himself in a very, very bad situation when he signed his deals. It was in between those deals where they started to stop paying you for what you've done and started to pay guys for what they were going to do. And both of those guys signed it right before they flipped. And so, you know, my point here is that the Jets are really facing a situation where they now, I mean, Pierre-Luc Dubois must know what's going on with, with Mark Scheifele, right? Whether he's happy with the organization, whatever his situation is, the players know. So, the, so his agent is going to know. I think Pierre-Luc Dubois holds a lot of the cards in this situation. And if I was to guess, and this would be pure speculation about the comments, I would say they're coming from the agent. They're not coming from the Jets to test it. The Jets don't want to float things out there about, you know, whether or not they might not sign this guy <laughs> that he would have to trade him. The Jets want nobody talking about Pierre-Luc Dubois. They want, no, they, they want you know, and the, but my, my original point from before, which I didn't get to, is that um, I think early on you had your answer and that Pierre-Luc Dubois wanted, you know, he's the kind of guy, yes, he's into fashion, he's into nice things, yada, yada. But he's also into playing in front of hockey-crazed markets. He embraces it. He enjoys it. He doesn't mind talking to the media. He doesn't mind, you know, being in a city that may not require flip-flops to practice. You know what I mean? Like, he liked being in a hockey city. But I'm curious now what it's going to take to keep him on board. Like, the number could very well change based on a potential change of scenery. How frustrated is he with this year? How does he... 
how does he classify this season, you know, versus where the Jets are headed? Does he see them not being in a great position? Because guess what? You're not signing a haircut contract for a team that you don't believe is going to be a contender for years to come. That was the benefit the Jets had. That was the benefit they had leading into this season that when they acquired Pierre-Luc Dubois the pro- in the prior year with you know massive COVID crap year, everything was kind of viewed as more of an anomaly than, than you know status quo. And when they retooled this year, that would have been their biggest carrot, right? Besides the money, right? We're a great team. You can play with these guys on your line. You know, you have Kyle Connor, who you developed chemistry with, is certainly a pro for this season. But the reality is, is that if you're going to sign a long-term deal here, you want to know what the plan is. You want to know that everything's going to be done to make you a winner. And if you don't believe that you're a winner, then I don't know if you're signing a deal. So, like, you know, I do think that, you know, where the Jets are with Pierre Dubois, I do think that there's – I don't know if they're in a situation where they're not going to sign him. I think there's going to be you have to be an effort made, particularly around the first <laughs> strings in signing him because I think this might be. I don't think Pierre Luc Dubois is making ten million dollars a season, but I don't think you're gaining him for in and around seven. No. So you need to decide what your <laughs> priority is here. And again, all those things factor into play: the future of this organization, the players who are going to stick around, the culture. You know, where do they fall in the depth chart? at center because if if Pierre Luc Dubois knows that Mark Scheifele isn't happy or wants out you know out of town or isn't planning to re-sign, well guess whose value just went up? Pierre Luc Dubois. Well so, and the and the other part of it, then this goes back to your original point, which is bang on. If they don't get Dubois signed, if if he if they trade Patrick Line for a guy that leaves town at his first possible opportunity, I mean that is an organizational disaster. I mean, and a lot of people which I personally don't like, you know, I know people are in who said, hey, Lining was gone anyways, no matter what. I, I don't believe that, and I'll never believe that. I mean, I, be- I fully believe that there were other the things that they could have done or handled differently, or Patrick Lining could have been here for a long, long time. But, the, but when you produce like that, you get paid. And, and we hear it all the time. People are, like, expecting guys to go and take a haircut deal or a team-friendly deal. It never happens. And, 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 and to be it honest, happens. it's about... It happens, us. It happens. Here? Boston Bruce? No, not here. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Right. Like Winnipeggers are cheap and everybody wants a deal. Guess what, folks? It's not happening. No, I think Larry Simmons and Shevel Dayoff have done a great job, and we kind of went down the list of signing guys to fair deals, deals that they were happy with at the time, and that have proven to be good deals going forward. Um, but for people that say, hey, listen, we know that Dubois is a eight eight million dollar player, but we expect him to sign for seven because we're Winnipeg, like like that's dream world that just does not happen i mean it's negotiation comes down to you know strengths weaknesses on both sides coming together to make a deal that makes sense for both they've done that in the past i certainly believe it's possible for pierre luc dubois but when it comes down to it jeff and i guess this is the point coming out of the reminder from one elliot friedman on the weekend is that there is quite a bit of uh of this this is, I don't want to say it's a fully dominant position for Pierre Luc Dubois, but it, it sort of is, and it's the same thing for Line in, in in Columbus. I mean, if Line A leaves town at the first possible time, and they traded Dubois to get him, even though they were pretty much had a gun to their head from Dubois to trade him, um, you know, it would still be very, very bad for Columbus. So, bottom line is, they got to find a way to make this work to get him signed to a deal that keeps him around for as long as possible at a number that he's happy with, that works for the team, 
And I certainly think it's possible because history dictates that they've done it before with players in similar situations, although not the same, maybe not with as much that uh, the Dubois camp has coming to the table. Yeah, so I completely agree with you as far as who has the better hand in, 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 this, uh, in this negotiation. However, you know, I think there's an interest in not changing the guard. I think opportunity is a massive piece to the puzzle, right? So it's easy to say, okay, I'll just pack up my stuff and go sign somewhere else. Well, you want the security, right? You want your big deal. Uh, you want to know that you're going to be uh, valued. And we know that Pierre-Luc Dubois is valued here, not just in, in ice time, but opportunity. And and that's certainly important. You know, you it's not as easy as some might think to just kind of move into another team's culture and become, you know, a leader. You know that's what Blake coveted when he when he re-signed with And look at look I at mean, Dubois season last year. I mean it's a well, perfect exactly. example. Exactly. So I mean like, you know, it, it, it can be a tough change of scenery can be tough, right? And if you're appreciated here, you don't want to overvalue yourself either. And and I do think that, you know, for all the stuff we hear about the locker room and, you know, the maybe, you know, some stuff not I don't even know how to explain it. What, what, what's the words that we've been throwing out these for years? That there's ruffled feathers in the, in the, in the <laughs> ruffled in the feathers, one of the greatest Mauricisms so, of all time. So you know what I mean. So like, but I do think Pierre Luc Dubois is appreciated. I do think he views himself as a potent, you know, not just a potential leader, a leader on this team, right? And so there are some things you also don't want to get the reputation that you're going all over the place all the time, right? I think I think there's some some level of pride to stay with an organization long enough. Now, dollars speak, obviously, but I do think that, you know, we can kind of tilt this all in, in Pierre-Luc uh, Dubois' side, but I also do think there's a lot of things that come with having, you know, an established relationship with the team. We know that he doesn't like the results. We know that he hasn't, you know, loved uh, the consistency on this team. That's just been, you know, seemed to have disappeared from game one, really. like. So there are some things that need to be worked out, but I think where if you're the Jets, you're not playing necessarily hardball with him. You're reminding him of some of the things that you know he enjoyed when he first got here, even if he did have a bad first season. You know, we know that he can play with, you know, the future, right? You have to you have to sell him the future, that he's the future number one on center on this team, that he'll play with Kyle Connor because he needs to think about a second contract after. We gotta remember the guy's only 23 years old. So he can sign a long-term deal and still be up for another long-term deal. So instead of kind of, you know, testing the waters for two years or whatever, and then moving on, I mean, it would be in his favor to have that long-term security. And who knows what last season did to his confidence. Maybe there's a bit of piece of him that goes, well, hell, that happened to me once. What's that? What's to me to go on a dry spell again? You know, these insecurities that play in, to these players' minds, I think you need to be a bit of a psychologist well, to get in behind those negotiations. But my point is, I says I don't think as much as the stuff, the cards may be stacked in his favor. I do think there are some things that if Pierre Luc Dubois is smart about and covets, there's a lot of that here in Winnipeg that offers him as well. Yeah, listen, I I, I totally agree with you on that. I think it's important to remember last season, and I mean, just imagine if this like what we're talking about now, he needed to do new deal happened at the end of last season. I mean, listen, credit to him. Played his ass off this year. He's had a really strong season. Really clicked well with Kyle Connor. Put up some great numbers in a far better situation to sign that deal right now. 
as I said, I think this was a little gentle nudge from the agent, maybe reminding some people of that uh, in a somewhat public way. Um, but listen, with everything else ha surrounding the situation around Shifley, I think that is the, the other sort of elephant in the room that makes him that much more important, that not much more crucial to have signed, you know, for the foreseeable future. And whether it's an eight-year deal or a five or a six-year deal, longer than two or three years so they actually know who that guy that's going to be playing with Kyle Connor going is and then you're figuring out okay if you're taking Shifley out of the mix with who's coming in how do you replace that spot how do you make up for the offense how do you make the group better um you know if you do make a trade no matter what happens if Shifley's not here it's a bigger role for Pierre-Luc Dubois, which will be good for him, but also that much more is needed out of number 80 if 55 is not part of the mix, which I think we all agree is definitely a possibility heading into the offseason. Well, it's a massive piece of the puzzle. I'll remind you of our, our previous conversations. What, what makes you think that acquiring, getting rid of somebody like Patrick Laine and acquiring a centerman in Pierre-Luc Dubois wasn't a play for the future? Knowing that Mark Shifley, whether he was around for the remainder of his contract or not, where were you going to find your number one centerman? I mean, you, you know, you're looking into your crystal ball. You're viewing this team as a playoff team. Now, obviously, fall, fell short of, of those expectations this season, but you're viewing them as a top-end team. You look at your talent, and you know you're probably not going to draft a number one centerman you know, the, of, that, of that pedigree. You know that you're probably not going to get access to a number one centerman off the trade market. So you you know you look at a guy like Pierre Luc Dubois, and I think you're you're picking him up. You're coveting him to the degree that you did because you don't know what Mark Shifley's doing. the The problem now is I think the exit of Mark Shifley, your projected exit, it might be two years ahead of schedule, because we all know that Mark Mark Shifley signed a very team friendly deal. You know, again, as I mentioned earlier in the interview, at a time where players still weren't quite, you know, at least it wasn't as, as regular, weren't quite getting paid for what they were, 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 were going to do. And a guy who saw himself ease into the NHL and took a, you know, saw, you know, an eight-year security and a lot of money, right? I mean, what, $50 million is still a lot of money. Yeah, we're not it's having just, a bake sale for Shife anytime no, soon. No, exactly. He's doing no, okay. No fund me's for him. No, no, anytime <laughs> soon. But what I'm saying is, is that, much like Blake Wheeler's situation, Mark Shifley is going to look at what he's achieved in these previous, you know, in his previous years of his contract, and he's going to want to get paid his market value and probably a little bit more in Winnipeg because he took a haircut, right? So if you're the Winnipeg Jets organization, you know you can't pay Mark Shifley north of 10, you know, 11, 12 million dollars. Um, you know, and and I that'll can, be I when he's 31 imagine, years I old. Just, I can just imagine the, the comment section right now going, are you kidding me? But guess what? That's what he's got his eyes, you know. That's he'll what, want. He, that's listen, what he'll want. He better have two great seasons if he wants to get paid like that. This is well, what I... Sure, I you look at his production, I mean, what, what, what do point-of-game players get paid these days? And even more so. And I mean, again, we can get into his defensive stuff. This isn't a dump on Mark yes. Shifley. This isn't a defend Mark Shifley situation. I'm just saying that I think that the Jets have come to grips that they were going to lose Mark Shifley for at the end of his contract. Would they have viewed it being this early potentially in the offseason? No, but that's my point with Pierre-Luc Dubois is I think that was always the plan. And maybe you can get Pierre-Luc Dubois on a deal with a happy Mark Shifley where you don't know what his future could be. Maybe it comes back to Winnipeg, but it just, again, understanding the room dynamics, understanding 
that he may or might may not be gone sooner than later, that only plays into Pierre-Luc Dubois' uh, hands. So at this point in time, I mean, the reality is is that you're going to have to be a, be a pretty good negotiator and figure out what number works. And I think there is going to be a bit of give and take in both sides. There's probably just going to be a little more give on the Jets side than they're maybe used to in, in, in their in their contracts so far. Fair enough. Uh, what do you got working on uh, what's coming up this week? Jets. I get to cover the, the last few games. Uh, we got my CFL column coming out tomorrow. Bombers are right around the corner. Yes. Can you believe it? They're already Cannot booking wait. tickets. They're already updating their COVID-19 protocols for the stadium. No no uh, proof of vaccination. So I'm going to talk to Wade Miller here pretty soon. Get the uh, get the goods on that. Just a typical week, Huss. Looking forward to it, Hammer. Thanks for doing this. Always enjoy your visits with us on WST. And uh, have a great week. I'll see you when I'm back uh, in uh, six. Yeah, behave yourself. Hope to see you. Hope to always. see you come back, Huss. Always. I'm, I'm, I'm always. sure we'll see you again. <laughs> Shout out to the commenters. You guys make this show. Huss is just in the background. So... Here we are, Award-winning show, by the way. Award-winning show, Jeff. We're, was it the Night Night Nightlife uh, Biz Awards or, what, or best, what was, what was... Winnipeg's best radio station slash podcast? Which would be Holy. great if it was just podcast, but the fact considering our demise in the radio game earlier, we're I don't know. It's, well, it's, con- it's a little hey, congratu- bit funny about that. Congratulations to you, Huss. I'm sure your sponsors are not sleeping well at night, knowing that <laughs> as you as you collect hardware after hardware, theirs are just going to pop up. You know what? You know how it works, man. You start collecting those things. You start, you know, you start reevaluating who your friends are. So uh, hopefully, I can still stay with your show, and you don't get too heavy. And uh, again, you know, great news. Awesome. Hope you're there to accept it or we're there. I don't know what the deal is. It's already been honored. Uh, congratulations, man. You guys are the best. Appreciate no it, dude. It. Have a great one. I'll look forward. I can't wait for the CFL. We're going to start talking a lot more CFL really beginning next week once so we get into the Jets offseason. Uh, have a good one, dude. Thanks so much. There he is, Jeff Hamilton at Jeff K. Hamilton on Twitter and, of course, doing his thing daily in the pages of the Winnipeg Free Press. We're going to go from uh, a couple of our favorites to another. What a lineup for the first week. Our first day of our Vegas week. Poolin, Hammer, and Mocon coming up next. Just quickly before we do that, a quick Breezy Bend golf update. Zurich Classic on the week. Very weird tournament. It was Xander Shoffley and Patrick Cantley who uh, steamrolled the rest of the field down in New Orleans and uh, ended up getting, you know, normally they give trophies, big fat-ass belt buckles for uh, Xander and Cantley. Very interesting prize for the guys. Uh, they'll get back to regular singles competition, and uh, we're just a couple of weeks away from the PGA Championship as well. Uh, when you're thinking golf in Winnipeg or a future home for your family on the golf course, nowhere better than Breezy Bend. To find out more at breezybend.ca, about getting on the waiting list, uh, about their junior programs, women's programs, all the great things happening, not to mention what they've done to the golf course. Find out more, Corey Johnson, our good friend, the GM, will uh, take you through everything, as well as give you an idea about what options are available for this year and going forward. Find out more online at breezybend.ca. We're gonna talk Raptors coming up with uh, Mo in a second. And uh, my guy, Trevor Knott, big hoops guy, was at the game, game four on the weekend. I know he and his sons had a great time out there. I'm fired up for it. Uh, But many of you are fired up for getting a new vehicle, whether you're thinking electric or 
a traditional vehicle, not Autocorp, has all of it and uh, can let you know what you need to know about potentially moving over to electric. But regardless, if you're looking for a new vehicle, why not get into the car of your dreams at a great price with the help of the Knot team? Pop down and visit them at Waverly and McGilvery or online at knot.ca. And yes, we were just talking about the, uh, the award from the Winnipeg Nightlife Awards. We've got to give a big congratulations to our friends at Little Brown Jug, who also won the favorite local beer category at the event on the weekend. So uh, congratulations to Kevin and his great team over at Little Brown Jug. Uh, proud to have you guys on board with us for so long. Looking forward to uh, many more years and many more 1919s together. Of course, you can pick up Little Brown Jug and the 1919. Winnipeg's favorite at your local uh, beer store, Manitoba Liquor Mart, but the best place to do it is pop down and see them in person at the uh, brewery and tap room on William Avenue. And of course, you can also order online at littlebrownjug.ca. They deliver Wednesdays, Fridays, and Saturdays. All right, let's fire it up and welcome in from Montreal our good friend Mo Khan, who's looking resplendent in a WST hoodie today. What's going <laughs> on, dude? How are you? I'm well, you know, it's it's by fluke, right? The I guess the uh, the podcast gods want us to be together with I wearing the uh, gorgeous hoodie that you guys sent me a month ago, which I thoroughly enjoyed uh, as I wear it on Mondays as my traditional look is for this day today. I love it. Well, listen, it's great to have you on here. And I did want to talk Raptors. Uh, but before we do that, Mo, of course, I mean, you were working with TSN in Montreal for all those years, being such a big part of the sports community. Um, the passing of Guy Lafleur, we knew would hit hard in Montreal. We saw the incredible scene last night at the Bell Center. Um, just give us a little bit of idea about what the station has been like, what the sports community has been like in the few days since uh, the legend Guy Lafleur passed away. It's a big hole in, in the Quebec sports community because you think about Guy Lafleur, uh, he was the fabric of Quebec uh, and how he represented the region with his style, his flair, his panache that he had on the ice. And, and in hindsight, look, you know, Maurice Richard, Jean Beliveau, those are greats. Those are absolute greats. Gila Fleur's in that also to make a tripod. But today's generation of half fans can't really connect to Beliveau and Richard because of the age gap, right? Lafleur is the guy that connected to today's guy. So if you're talking about a, a, a fan who's in their 50s or 60s, they can tell you everything about Lafleur. You're talking about fans in their late 30s, 40s, they can kind of remember, remember Lafleur because he played with the Rangers and Nordiques towards the end of his career. And it's just a big hole. And, and it's, it's something that, you know, when you think about this franchise, not many people spoke against them. And Guy Lafleur did, criticizing this organization for the lack of ambition, the lack of ingenuity to become a perennial contender for the Cup. And he wasn't afraid. And, and he wasn't afraid to lose that friendship or that connection with this team. And that's why a lot of people in this city and this province respected him for the fact that he wasn't one of those type of players that was going to stay mum and not say anything. And he said what was on his mind. And the biggest thing, though, that you learn about Guy Lafleur as a human being, he was inclusive. He brought everyone that made them feel like a million bucks out there. And that's why he's going to be mourned and missed for many, many years and for who knows how long. Um, Moa, <laughs> you want to get the, get those head, the headset yeah. back in. I don't know what exactly Dude. happened there. Um, take us to last night at the Bell Center. Dave Poulin was on with us, and Dave was yeah. in the building last night, and he spoke about how the PA announcer kept on trying to get people to be quiet, and 
they were cheering for Guy. And it went on the 10 minutes for number 10 and all that. I mean, how did, how did you see it? Because um, I was traveling and watching the Jet game, so, I mean, I didn't see it live as it happened last night. Um, what, what, for Pete's folks that didn't see it, what happened and um, what were Quebecers and Habs fans doing? Uh, what were they showing last night in the memory of Guy? It was highlights of his life, um, the way he was as a human being. And, and the thing is, you know, Andrew, you talk about Montreal and the Canadians and their organization when it comes to honoring uh, past players, uh, whether they're dead or alive they do a phenomenal job and this was up there probably one of the best ones that they have ever done at the bell center and you saw and the thing was on the ice pregame they had a collage of pictures of him and former teammates action shots and 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 you're right the fan base gave him a 10 minute ovation and if there was no restrictions of times to look at this could have been a 20 25 minute ovation for Gila Fleur. and so i think it was just an emotional closure and the fact that they were playing the Boston Bruins last night at the Bell Center was like a full circle moment because we know his most seminal moment as a hab is coming down the right wing and that slap shot to, 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 to against the Bruins that it was in 79. It definitely was one of those moments that it was kind of a, of a picture-perfect thing for us to be honored like it was. And I just think now for the organization, I mean, you think about greats in this team, and he's the guy that said before was one of them. Now we look at guys like Patrick Waugh, Guys like that, Carey Price, those are the next ones that they'll honor um, in terms of the recognition of who they are. But it's sad because the reality is, Andrew, as we get older and older, you know, guys from that era of hockey that LaFleur played with, we pray that nothing happens to them anytime soon and that they can live a long fulfillment life that they'll have uh, for who knows how long. But it definitely was a shocking moment and a sad moment for fans to realize that, look, one of our own guys will not be there going to Bell Center ever again. Uh, all that being said, uh, end of the game, another really, um, you know, special Montreal moment. Um, Brendan Gallagher leading the, the, the team out. And what exactly happened? I mean, they brought the entire team out and they raised their sticks to where um, the yeah. key number is, is in it. I mean, uh, right. uh, just again, the respect for him. And, you know, it is cool seeing, I mean, as Brendan Gallagher knows, and I'm sure, I mean, even as a young player, you could have two games under your belt. You're walking into the Cavs dressing room out onto the Bell Center ice, even in a miserable season like this, you know the history around it, but um, I'll give credit to Gallagher in particular for sort of organizing that. And um, that was a pre- pretty neat moment at the end of the game after everything that happened that preceded the match. No question. No question about that. And and Gallagher, of course, is the unofficial voice of, of being the leader of this locker room now with Shea Weber not there. And and he made sure that the young guys, the, the Cole Caulfields and Nick Suzuki's of the world's, See that because they're the ones that will take the torch from this current core of Habs and be the face of the franchise for the next decade plus, if not more. And he wanted to make sure these guys knew what the value was of Gila Fleur for this franchise and say, look, one day, maybe your number can be up in the rafters of the Bell Center along Gila Fleur and Patrick Waz and the other greats at the Bell Center. Mo Khan's with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Mo, I want to get to uh, the Raptors. There's still life in the Raptors after the weekend. Uh, I'll tell you what. I, I, I'm i not surprised that they won game number four. Um, listen, I thought that they should have won game three, to be honest. I mean, I'm still somewhat bent about not calling a technical Doc Rivers that we ran all, onto the court. I mean, it's pretty clear black and white, but... Uh, what did you see from the Raptors last night on uh, what many thought was their last stand at home against the Sixers before they get after it tonight in Philly? A team that was desperate, 
uh, you think about the rebounding margin, they won that battle. You think about the bench production, they got better value from their bench. And now you go into to this game tonight without Van Vliet, who's who's hurt. How does that replacement of production go? Like who who takes that production? Is it Malachi Flynn, who's a young guard, but not a Van Vliet? Uh, you think about Scotty Barnes. He said it in, in this morning in the pregame warmups or, or the shooter on a beg your pardon that his leg is still sore. So how many minutes will he be on? Because they'll need his presence alone to just attract some sort of a defense towards his way. Because I think for the Raptors now, going towards this pivotal matchup that it is in Philly, they have to win the rebounding battle. Because Joel Embiid, with his injury, what I suspect will happen with the Sixers tonight is that he won't be a paint presence when they attack the, the, the Raptors' end. What they'll do is probably stretch and beat out and try to force the Raptors to kind of clear up space so guys like Harden and Maxey can attack the rim without MB taking uh, taking too much space in that pain territory. So I just think for Nick Nurse, what he's got to do is is two things. Win the rebounding battle, of course, and also get off to a fast start. Because if you get off to a fast start and kind of build up that, that gloss of a point lead that you might have on Philly, it puts more pressure on Harden. It puts more pressure on Maxi. It puts more pressure on Danny Green and Tobias Harris to lift up uh, the loss of value that Joel Embiid will may not have with his aren't with his hand not being healthy right now. So this thing for the Raptors right now, just be calm, be cool, relax, and maybe you might force a game six. But I think Philly might close it out tonight, Andrew, because I had them winning in, in, in six. But now it could mean five games. You know what? Let me just do a quick turnaround here at the uh, Circus Sportsbook. Uh, <laughs> so the Sixers are eight and a half point favorites. And uh, wow, the Raptors plus 280 to get this series back to Toronto. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. Listen, I probably won't be hitting that money line. Maybe the no. point spread. Um, but we've seen this team persevere and I think back and I said this after the first two games remember the Milwaukee series in 2019 when they lost the first two and everyone said that they were done and uh you know they managed to come back and get it done and we all know how that yeah. ended up but that's a bit different team though right because you had an alpha and Kawhi Leonard right Kawhi Leonard was not gonna lose to the Milwaukee Bucks as it was in, in 19 and that's the thing about this Raptor team Andrew is that it's a young team but now moving forward, however far they go, and they might force a six, they might force game seven, and may, may get to the second round, who knows. But for Masai Ujiri and Bobby Webster, they have to look at this roster and say to themselves, okay, we have Scotty Barnes, we have Van Vliet, we have Siakam, but can we find that alpha that's going to be the face of this franchise that will elevate the profile of this team? Because you look at Brooklyn, you look at Boston, you look at Miami, uh, those are the three top teams along with Milwaukee, right? So you make it four. Chicago might be five next year. So how can the Raptors get better? And if they can find themselves through a trade value of getting themselves an alpha, I think Masai and Bobby might have to look at that avenue and pull that trigger to kind of expedite the process, given where they are in that division. Uh, Mo, speaking of Scotty Barnes, I uh, thought it was really cool. Did, were you surprised that he won the Rookie of the Year? Uh, and what have you made about his uh, season? Because I will be honest, I remember all the hot takes when the Raptors selected him at four, when they were sort of thought to be a top four. It was great. The Raptors got into the top four. They're going to get one of those guys. They didn't take him. He's now the rookie of the year. I say trust in Masai. Many people didn't. What did you think about his year and the fact that he got the award? Yeah, that's right. Because they may thought they'd take Jalen Suggs, right, from Gonzaga, who goes up to Orlando at five. And, and the thing, right, with Scotty Barnes, 
playing at FSU, he was a bench player. He was not a starting five for Leonard Hamilton down in Tallahassee. So that, that's where the whole questions came up. Well, why pick a guy who didn't even start for his own team at FSU? And the thing is, with Scotty Barnes, right, it's his length. He can play the five. He can play the four. He can play the three. And he can be the one, right, and, and carry the ball if need be. And what he did was, and you think about it right now, Andrew, right, Evan Mobley was a phenomenal player for the Cavaliers. Kate Cunningham was great for the Pistons. But the fact that they had, had no Siakam for 14, 15 games, no Van Vliet for a lot of games, uh, they were missing key big hitters from that roster that Barnes played, I think, the second most games behind Chris Boucher at 78 games that he had. He was able to facilitate and create and control the narrative of games that he did a little thing so well that it left the bigger picture for the Raptors to qualify for the playoffs. And that's why when you think about this team right now, Andrew, for what they've built so far, this is going to be a big off year for the Raptors because no one's going to think of them as being players in the market. But Masai Ujiri and Bobby Webster, can they go out there and pull off another trick from the magic bag that they had from 2019 when no one thought they'd go after Kawhi Leonard and they did? Can they go out there and acquire some more pieces to help build off of Scotty Barnes and make him the face of the franchise. Hey, while we're talking hoops here, and I mean, uh, maybe we'll be doing a eulogy for the Raptors tomorrow. Maybe we'll talk about <laughs> getting it to seven. We'll see what happens tonight. Um, will we be doing a eulogy for the Brooklyn Nets? Um, listen, this, I, I, I'll be honest. I'm loving every second of this. LeBron out, Clippers out, all these super teams. And now the Nets, if the Nets go out in four straight, it will be the, um, you know, for we all thought it was all just about having these stars. And then you see teams like Milwaukee, obviously they've got Giannis, but the Phoenix Suns were the best team in the league. Devin Booker's turned into a great player. Listen, they're in a dogfight right now with the Pelicans. I mean, it is about team now, right? Now, and uh, it doesn't seem to be it. What do you make of the net situation? And of course, Steve Nash, who I have heard many a talking head refer to that the Nets hired a fan to be the coach. He just happens to have two NBA MVPs. What a mess in Brooklyn. Yeah, look, Steve Nash is, is will never question his on-court skills. Phenomenal player. We know that, right? But the coaching thing has been, I'm not going to say a disaster, but an underachievement. Because you think about it, right? Prior to Brooklyn, he was a soccer analyst on TNT's coverage of Champions League soccer. And he went from that to where he is in Brooklyn. And let's not forget that Kyrie and KD green-lighted and okayed Steve Nash because they thought he was the missing link to help elevate the profile of this franchise. But you think about the guys that they let go, Kyrie Slavert, uh, Spencer Dinwiddie. Uh, those were phenomenal players that the Brooklyn Nets had built up. They had a really good core being built up until he decided to do a 180 and bring in these big-name players to help maybe elevate the profile. And I think now for Steve Nash, if they lose in four, there's going to be some serious questions in examination of his status as a head coach of the Brooklyn Nets because right now, Andrew, he's not proven that he is even close enough to being an assistant NBA coach, and he's got to look at himself in the mirror and say, look, how do I make this team better for game four? Because you go to game three, when you bring in Blake Griffin, into the game, a guy who's not played a long run of games for the Nets this year. It's a sign of desperation and rolling the dice like you hope that he can do something for them, and he couldn't do so. And they've been outcoached, outplayed by the Boston Celtics that have better depth to work with, and a no-name superstar with Jason Tatum, who's been phenomenal and has been a chief destroyer of this Brooklyn Nets team so far through three games. And this goes beyond five. Again, 
The questions will be up there for the future of Steve Nash on whether or not he should be the head coach after this season. Mo Khan's with us. Mo, um, just finishing up the hoops talk. I mean, up at this point, you know, where we're at in the first round, uh, if you had to throw a nickel on somebody to win the NBA championship, uh, who's getting it right now? Who, who right now is your favorite to win the whole thing? Uh, it's still got to be Milwaukee. You know, watch them against Chicago. I'll be Chicago's banged up. You know, no Lonzo Ball. Caruso won't play with his concussion that he suffered on Sunday. But that team, remember, they were banged up early in the year, and they're all healthy now. And that's the perfect time of year. And Budenholzer has built up the depth to work with that they have specific roles. Like Bobby Portis is one of those bleep disturbers that's going to go out there and get under the skin as he did to Zach Levine on Sunday. And, and Giannis is, is the best player in the NBA. And now he's just figuring out how to maximize all of the pieces on the court to his favor. And you're seeing guys to play so much better under his influence on the court. So right now it's Milwaukee for me. Miami's very good, but I wonder for Kyle Lowry and his health because he, and again, Kyle Lowry looks like the guy that he was six years ago where he's on shape. He, and it, it makes me worry about him because I love Kyle Lowry for his tenacity that he has in the court, but if he's not healthy, can the Heat carry that load in the eastern side of the bracket here? Boston will be very good, but I just think right now Milwaukee's a team to watch out for because on the West, it's unpredictable. And New Orleans is giving Phoenix a good run for their money and it would not surprise me if the Pelicans do win this series in six games, if not seven. Uh, Mo, before we go, uh, we always have to hit on uh, our Canadian men's national team getting for the World Cup. Uh, any soccer happenings to report as it pertains to uh, the uh, members of the squad? Yeah, I'll be curious now with Jonathan David. Um, not a great end to his season uh, in League One with Lil. And he's being looked at by some of the bigger name clubs, the Arsenals, the Manchester United, the Worlds, um, even other clubs in Italy included. The value of Jonathan David now, can, can Lil cash in on him and get themselves a big bang in return for the value? Because I think Jonathan David will now move up in the next level of, of the soccer bracket of playing in England or in Spain, perhaps, or even in Italy, Italy who knows? And if he does, can he carry the expectations if he goes to an Arsenal or Manchester United where they're going to expect him to score and pop in 10 to 12 goals a year, at least for now, until he gets older and mature physically uh, at the age that he's at. So I think for Jonathan David, that's going to be the key storyline going to this offseason because he might be the key to what Canada could do at Qatar in seven months from now. And also for Alfonso Davies. I mean, unfortunately for him, manager, he's been banged up. Uh, of course, he had the myocarditis issue back in the early part of January into February. And now, not so you got to bubble wrap him, but you got to make sure that he's going to be healthy going into the Bundesliga season in August. Because, again, there'll be a lot of games for the European leagues moving towards the World Cup, World Cup, World Cup in November. So he's got to be healthy. And also for Jonathan David and how he'll approach this offseason if he does get transferred out towards a bigger club in Europe. Mo, great stuff as always, my friend. Thanks for doing this. Enjoy the uh, hoops tonight, and uh, we'll catch up again real soon. We're going to be talking CFL before you know it. Uh, any thoughts on the NFL draft uh, here quickly? Uh, it's sort of weird. I mean, you don't have those quarterbacks at the top. I mean, a very different draft this yeah. year than we've seen before. Tons of linemen and tons of edge rushers, big guys on the uh, line of scrimmage on either side, kind of dominating the top ten. Yeah, I think quickly here, Trevon Walker, probably your number one pick, maybe. We'll find out, right, Thursday. But this is the thing. The two New York teams have four of the top ten picks. I think they control the draft board and how it plays out. And for Carolina, they're stuck in the eye of the storm of the New York teams here because 
if they want a quarterback, they can get it. But if they want an O-lineman, I think the, the, the Giants might go O-line at their number five pick. And the Jets can definitely control the tempo of what they do at number four if they go with Sauce Gardner, Kayvon Thibodeau, Kyle Hamilton. And I think after that, though, all bets are off because I think this draft has so many unpredictable storylines that could pop up here. It's going to be fascinating, and you're going to be there, Andrew, on Thursday. And it's going to be fun to see how this plays out in Las Vegas at the NFL draft. Hey, is Debo going to be a property of the 49ers when we wake up on Friday morning? I'm going to say yes. Uh, I put it at 80-20. And unless Debo really pressures, and I think the Niners misread the room with Debo Samuel because now they just picked up the fifth-year option on Nick Bosa, right? So that gives them a year to buy on Nick Bosa on that contract deal for his second uh, contract with the Niners. But now for Debo Samuel, can he finagle the Niners to give him at least $25, 30000000 to work with? Because he knows that at the position that he plays at as a wide back, his le- lifeline in the NFL won't be as long as a receiver is. So I think he's playing his cards and keeping it open out there. But I think now moving towards this draft, there will be more teams that will, will inquire. And if John Lynch sees that, hey, we can get ourselves a one and a two, whatever combination it might be. This is a deep draft board, and we could see six, maybe seven receivers going to the top 40. They could find themselves their next Debo at a cheaper contract for the next rookie deal that they might get if they do trade off Debo Samuel. Yeah, you know, Kyle Shanahan thinks he can turn anything into uh, into something more than it is right now. Listen, the way that he's been used, Debo Samuel, is a big reason why he has the value that he has right now. But um and that would be a big loss for the Niners. Mo, thanks for doing this, man. Take care, and we'll catch up real soon. Likewise, I can't wait to see Hangover 4 featuring you and all the other characters. <laughs> all business this week, or at least until Friday when the show's sure. finished. <laughs> thanks, buddy. Take there it is, Mo Khan. Follow him on Twitter at MoCon19. Uh, great stuff. One of our favorites here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. All right, we got to get Michael Remus back in here. Uh, just before we do that, uh, great to see so many Bomber fans in their pictures on social media from the uh, Cup Roadshow on the weekend. Was it Princess Auto uh, on Panit on Saturday? The Princess Auto out on Portage yesterday. And then a great event for the Bombers and so many fans at, uh, I believe it was Club Regent yesterday afternoon. Of course, Princess Auto will be sponsoring the pregame tailgates this year for the Bombers. Um, and a lot going on with Princess Auto with the Gold Eye season, which can you believe it is getting underway just over two and a half weeks from now. And of course, Valor Home Opener coming up on Sunday as well for uh, for the lads. Princess Auto, in addition to being a, a great sponsor of our local teams, is the place where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Visit them at one of their two Winnipeg locations or hit them up online and shop 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. Uh, might be a great night to uh, pop into your local Boston pizza with the fellas and check out this Raptors-Sixers game. Could it be the Raptors' last stand? I certainly hope not. Uh, but whether you're watching the Winnipeg Jets, the playoffs beginning next week, or the NBA playoffs right now, no better place to get together and watch the big game with big sound at your local Boston pizza lounge. And if you're staying home, Order online at bostonpizza.com. Make sure to check out those great game day deals. Uh, and man, I'll tell you, I had White Castle last night. 
Uh, I was looking around to see if uh, there might be a DQ because, uh, oh man, those new stack burgers are so good. Uh, a bit of a fast food connoisseur, as you can tell by looking at me. Uh, the DQ stack burgers at Nick and Nicky right now are uh, elite and right at the top of the list. There's six new ones to try. You can hit them up and try those along with a great delicious blizzard at the DQ Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, and DQ St. Anne's. And if you are having an event, nothing makes that event better than a DQ cake. Uh, go to anyone, they'll get to the, any of the Nick and Nicky DQs and they'll take care of you. But if you'd like to get a custom made order, don't even leave the house. Hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. Let them know what you want. They'll get it done for you to pick up quick and easy at any of the four Nick and Nicky DQs. And uh, I finally got around to uh, trying out the Canadian Club and Ginger Ale on the weekend. Oh, that is going to be a popular cocktail this summer. Uh, I saw many individuals. My buddy Ross Ransby said, I heard about it on the show. I tried it. Man, they're awesome. Uh, and you can get them. I was at the uh, Wind City Beer Store, and I did notice that the singles and the six-packs are there. So it's all over the place. If you're at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts, I believe the top 26 in Manitoba have a special CC display. Buy any Canadian Club product and get a free can to try right now. And don't forget, 1750 MLCC on sale all month long at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts. All right, well, we're going to do our cool bet lines today. I don't have to look too far for the lines uh, with this here in Vegas, but let's get Remus back in here. Uh, Remo, heck of a show to start things off in Vegas this week. Um, listen, it's always a pleasure, honor almost, to have Dave Poulin on, one of our absolute favorites. Great Jets talk on the Dubois contract and everything coming out of the weekend with uh, Jeff Hamilton and uh, a little around the world with Mo Khan and a bunch of other things. A uh, heck of a way to start off the week. Oh, yeah, this has been a lot of fun. We got uh, Jets having some announcements about fan appreciation stuff, uh, you know, going on this weekend. So we're wrapping up the season, getting ready for playoffs as well. So uh, it, I think it's going to be a busy week, um, you know, for the Jets, especially with, the, you know, clean out day a week from today. We'll oh, that show is going to be interesting. Yeah, uh, no. A week from today, folks, that is going to dominate the entire program. I'll be back. We will have as much audio as possible. Who knows, depending on how they set it up. I mean, we might even go live earlier on and uh, take a bunch of it. Bottom line is, a week from today on Winnipeg Sports Talk, you will be hearing from all the Winnipeg Jets, coaching staff, potentially general manager, about the season that was passed, heading into uh, what we've been saying will be the most significant an interesting offseason and maybe important offseason the Jets have had. Do you have any of those details in the fan appreciation right yeah, now? I, we, I don't have them we, here. We do have some, some actually some information here. And one thing we do need to give a shout out to the Winnipeg Ice Us winning uh, both oh. games on the weekend against. I was going to get to that. Ice and there's some ice and moose stuff together. That's why I just okay. wanted to finish up so here, here. The Jets con. We'll just here. finish up some quick Jet stuff. And Elliot Friedman was on his 32 Thoughts podcast with Jeff Merrick. I'm um, shout out to LegalCurve.com who. Saved me the trouble of listening to it and uh, put out some quotes. I did see Ezra, <laughs> Ezra in chat earlier. But here, I'll bring out the fan appreciation stuff real quick. So I guess if you're going Friday, uh, they're going to be doing a lot of giveaways. Friday is the uh, first 10,000 fans, Kyle Connor mini jersey. They gave away a Blake Wheeler one uh, previously. I have that actually. I can I can show it on here. It's in my. There's a Shifley one too. I know I got a oh, Shifley. Uh, I've got a couple Shifleys. Yeah, May. So they're gonna have Dirty Catfish Brass Band, who's pretty good on awesome. Friday. May one, the Sunday game against Seattle. The jerseys off our backs game. Uh, you know, ceremony presentations with uh, 
giving those away after the game. You get to meet the player if you win. Uh, they're giving away the Three Stars Award winner, the Dan Snyder Memorial Award as well. Um, so that is going on. And just speaking of awards, Josh Morrissey was the one nominated for the Bill Masterson, Masterton uh, Trophy. Each team gets a nominee, nominated by the Pro Hockey Writers here. And you know, we talked with uh, Marat in depth last week about what he went through. Um, I hope everyone voting for that week. award what reads Marat's article. Mm-hmm. And then Mike McIntyre also did, he retweeted his article before the season. And I think, you know, last year we were kind of ragging on Morrissey saying he's having a disappointing season, but it's easy to see why when, you know, he couldn't skate with other players because um, he was, you know, concerned about the health and safety of his father who was battling cancer. And I mean, the Masterton Award is given for what? Dedication to hockey, perseverance and sportsmanship. And Morrissey definitely uh, has all three of those. So uh, great, great guy, Josh Morrissey, and well-deserving uh, nomination there. You got it. So oh. uh, fan appreciation mm-hmm. deeds, you can get those at WinnipegJets.com. I think they're really going to try to, uh, you know, brighten the spirit, certainly like the team did last night. Uh, I got a, uh, a, a text from someone close to me saying, you know, we had tickets for the game last night. You know, it was garbage outside. The weather was terrible. Either of uh, that person who they were going with had kind of maybe suggested maybe they don't go. They both probably would have jumped at it. Neither did and was incredibly happy with, uh, you know, going to the game, the atmosphere in the game, and the way the team played right now uh, last night. So hopefully get some more of that in these final three games against Philly, Calgary, and the Kraken. Before we move on uh, off the Jets, I'll do the Friedman comments. And uh, he's quoted on the podcast saying, the word I got from somebody in the organization is there's fatigue compared it to a marriage going sideways. And then he said, or I don't know if the person said this, but Friedman commented, the fatigue has stretched to the fan base as well. And that was uh, Elliot Friedman on the 32 Thoughts podcast via LegalCurve.com. And he did expand a bit more. No the, shit. We've what? been talking about it for yeah. how many months here. Yeah, that's not news to any of us here. But I think, you know, it's to be honest, I think that's an accurate description. And uh uh, but certainly not unsalvageable, and that will uh, dominate many of our hockey conversations. Speaking of hockey conversations, before we get to these lines for Coolbet Remo, you mentioned the Winnipeg Ice. What a start to the playoffs. Two big wins at home against PA on the weekend. Um, and I actually talked to Munzee this afternoon. He's going to join us on the show tomorrow before game number three in Prince Albert. Um, you know, because of this insane weather on the weekend, uh, the teams couldn't travel yesterday. The entire PA team was up in the press box last night. Probably pretty cool for them being able to take in the Jets game when they'd normally be on the bus. Uh, but the bottom line is ice came out as you would expect and hope that they would as the number one team Two convincing victories. They'll look to make it three in a row tomorrow night. But a great start. I had a lot of friends that were out at the ice cave on the weekend. If you haven't checked out the ice, don't wait any longer. Going to be great crowds, great atmospheres, and hopefully a real long playoff run for Winnipeg's WHL squad. Yeah, we're hoping it's a long playoff run. I saw tickets are getting scooped up pretty affordable if you want to see some playoff hockey. And, and they, you know, they had the storm here. We haven't got into too much Winnipeg storm talk today. I know you were away, but what a miserable. I got out just in time. So, I, was, I mean, yeah. the, the weather, I, I, I listen, I shout out everyone that, you know, had was dealing with a flooded basement or whatever. Uh, I mean, just it was brutal. We kind of joked about, oh, it's much better that it wasn't snow. I mean, we would have had like 50 centimeters of snow. And I think that would have sent some people to, 
well, a dark, dark place. But the bottom line is that dark place for many people was a flooded basement with no power. So uh, hopefully everyone just made it through. Um, God knows this has to be the end of it. And uh, let's just hope it can warm up. And uh, I have been looking at the forecast for next week when I'm back. Uh, allegedly, once we get into May, uh, it should be a lot better. But um, man, just an absolutely horrible weekend. And uh, I know a lot of people have been... Uh, dealing with unanticipated BS uh, involving basements, houses, or floods. And some of those, like the underpass, I don't know if you saw those videos. I think it was, was it Dave that uh, Dave Manute that tweeted the, out? Um, I can't remember who it was. That, like the Osborne underpass? It'd be insane to try to get through that. The Osborne underpass always gets flooded in big snowstorms. But I saw some videos of um, lakes in Oak Bluff, which, you know, used to be a field. Like, it was so windy, there were white caps on this field. Like, the videos of people canoeing in the streets, uh, I'm pretty feeling pretty lucky that, you know, our WST HQ in my basement, and I don't have any water. I was worried about here. that. I'm worried. like, oh, just please don't text me and tell me that your basement's flooded or we no. are screwed. Uh, no, I'd find a way to... I mean, we'd be on, but maybe we would have different equipment. But, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I'm thankful we don't have that. But it was crazy. And I was going to say, Hess, you picked a great week to leave Winnipeg. Although you could probably say that for every week, except for maybe one or two dating from now to December. So uh, it's been a pretty rough, <laughs> I don't know, six six months here. Uh, very, uh, very insane. No, Hopefully we can finish this soon. The gold eyes are supposed to start. Bomber training camp starting up. Well, like it feels like I'm in February or yeah, December. Yeah, uh, you know what? It it is brutal, but uh, but as I said, better things are just around the corner, everybody. And uh, you mentioned bomber season, gold eye season, Valor home opener on Sunday. So there is a lot going on, and uh, we just got to get there. We're just about at the finish line, allegedly. Um, hey, congratulations to the Manitoba Moose, who won on the weekend and clinched second place. So uh, cannot wait for the Calder Cup playoffs. We've actually got some tickets for the game on Saturday that we'll give away um, maybe in the next couple days so people can have some time. Uh, time. But what was interesting, a dude, yesterday was that uh, Torgerson and Nikodin, who just signed last year, the uh, draft picks of the Winnipeg last year, last week, uh, made their Moose debut last night. Uh, they both played together along with Lynch on the fourth line. Uh, but looked pretty good. Again, one game, very early on um but two young men that i think uh, you know the organization high on now they've signed and a uh, great opportunity for them to get a taste of calder cup action playoffs as well as some ahl action before uh, trying to crack the club next year and sort of you know become more members of the uh, organization on a regular basis yeah with the jets uh, out of the playoffs the mooses and the ice are what we're going to be you know putting our eyes on i you know, having a lot of, we talked about this last week, having a lot of good memories of watching a Moose 1.0 in the playoffs and now have a run for two. This is the best season they've had since returning to Winnipeg. Um, that Saturday game is a military appreci uh, appreciation night, so they'll be wearing some special jerseys. But yeah, playoff, they got playoff uh, tickets available. Maybe we can pack uh, the ice cave and uh, Canada Life Center for Moose games. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what they can do, Huss. This should be fun. Well, definitely. I mean, we'll have more uh, moose talk coming up, uh, heading into the playoffs and even heading into the weekend. Um, but, you know, just on uh, on uh, Nikon and Torgerson, um, last night, the extended moose minute on the IC post game show with uh, Dave Manuka does such a great job covering the moose like nobody else does in town, um, you know, spoke to it. Um, but anyway, great season for Manitoba. Very different than what's happened with the Winnipeg Jets. 
That being said, we'll get ready for a Calder Cup playoff action, as we mentioned, rallying the storm for the ice when they get back to the ice cave. Game three tomorrow, we'll tee it up and discuss what happened on the weekend with Brian Munns. All right, instead of going into the cool bet lines i'm just going to turn around here as we're sitting right in front of the cool bet uh, the uh, circa sports book and let you know what's going on tonight a uh, couple games in the national hockey league i will actually won the flyers and the blackhawks blackhawks a minus 129 home favorite uh, the flyers plus 118 on the road they did win on the weekend but i uh, listen it looked like that team has quit a long time ago um celtics and nets tonight nets of just a one point home favorite playing for their lives, trying to stave off elimination. Mavericks minus three at home against the Jazz. And the game that I will be here watching in Vegas, maybe over at Circa or here at Bar Canada, Raptors and Sixers. The Sixers eight-point favorites. And the Raps, a juicy plus 280 on the money line, although it is going to be a tall task for the club, Remo, going up against uh, the Sixers, whose fans will be ready, looking for blood, and looking to uh, punch their ticket to the second round and maybe a little revenge for game seven in 2019. Yeah. I mean, Joel Embiid making that game winning shot the other day, there were a lot of pictures of him. I remember crying after, uh, you know, Kawhi Leonard made that uh, winning basket uh, to defeat them. So a little revenge here for the Sixers. They got hard in. Uh, it's amazing. Um, you know, how they got, were able to get rid of Ben Simmons considering what's going on with him. What a, what a win <laughs> for the Sixers there uh so uh um we'll see what happens tonight hopefully the raptors can keep it going and gonna be tough though without uh, van vliet yeah and uh kyrie irving is um i don't know what's going on with him and the nets in general we'll see whether they're still alive tomorrow uh but man the body language of kyrie going in for game three um look like uh basically imagine the job imagine the way you looked showing up at work for the job you hated the most in your entire life that was Kyrie on the weekend so uh, if you believe in body language the Nets might be done but uh anyways we'll see what happens tonight um man it's been a great first show today all the our technical uh based te our technical issues all happened before the program and were fixed at 1259 uh however it happened Remus and uh, a great start I can't wait to do the lock shop tomorrow by the way noon Winnipeg time I'll get after it with Dustin Nielsen make sure to follow us on uh, Twitter at hustlerama at Nielsen TSN 1260 for the live broadcast of that but wherever you get your podcasts search lock shop and give us a sub and uh tomorrow mike mcintyre more on the winnipeg jets and uh, brian munns on the ice as the uh, ice get ready to take on pa uh for game three tomorrow yeah i mean i'm glad this worked out you know we tested before had to remember how to work the equipment but we <laughs> like oh you just had to bring up one of the faders for you to hear me and we had a mute issue where you couldn't hear me Five minutes before the show but we figured the it all out she was unbelievable but and just just to let people know like i was here four hours mm -hmm. or no two hours before the show got everything set up test everything was great the vison uh, the vison guys if you've seen that maybe on sportsnet 360 there's a number of shows that you know are done between here and circa and circa swim on the properties 
So we tested over there with the same connection that we had, then moved over, and then like 10 minutes before the show, I couldn't hear Remus up until one minute before the show yeah. when it got fixed. So uh, the mute the mute issues are live even when we're not on the air. But uh, anyways, that was a fun laugh. And I guess before we go, and maybe people didn't see us talk about this at the beginning, uh, but a huge thanks to so many people and i think especially the youtube audience that has been joining us when we sort of mentioned hey we were up for this uh but for winnipeg sports talk but 14 months in to win winnipeg's favorite radio station or podcast beating some uh, incredible finalists um was uh i mean listen it's a proud moment for us i mean i don't want to do a too long of a touchdown dance for this but uh, uh it was really really cool and as i said considering the way our time as on a legitimate radio station ended um, for us to be at this point and to get that sort of recognition, thanks to all of you, was a hell of a way to start off what's going to be a really fun week here in Vegas. Yeah, that's uh, pretty awesome. There is a trophy. I will be picking it up so I can show it off. We'll have uh, someone said we should. Get, yes, I'll put it on the mantle behind me. Someone said we should get special championship belts or rings made. <laughs> I just started looking. That was into Jeff Cabillas. I don't. I don't even need to see the chat, and I'll yeah. bet twenty bucks that that was Cabillas. So that's a good. That's um. That, that was pretty cool to see that um as well. I mean, everyone uh, who voted for us. So we did mention it here, and I saw a lot of people who said, "Oh, I voted so many times." So uh, pretty awesome. <laughs> a couple of that's things, why. Yeah, a couple of things it. I wanted to just give a shout out to, but we forgot to mention these from the game games last night we said kyle connor scoring his 45th goal uh, most ever in jets 2.0 history kyle connor won his 200th game and played in his 300 connor, yeah, connor hellbuck sorry two guys named connor yeah connor hellbuck connor uh, and connor show last night. yeah he and he played his 380th game so those are some franchise records there so look if we don't have the playoffs we can have our silver linings ever small what was jeff saying before he started going all sourpuss on us, <laughs> He's, we can we need these small victories to celebrate them. Come on, Jeff, don't a hundred percent, a hundred percent. As I said from that text that I got, you know, I mean, uh, you know, the, I think the people, the fans that went there, uh, were treated to a great game. I mean, that's exactly what you want when you go to you know buy a ticket to an NHL game. Two teams going at it, and certainly the home team showing that they still give a crap and uh, you know we're playing for the fans and Blake Wheeler talked about it last week and they came out and did it so uh, you know here's to three more good games Philly Calgary and the Kraken on the weekend again they're expanding the fan appreciation so it's a great stuff and by the way I'm not sure who won them but uh, shout out to all of our members thanks very much we did a little member giveaway for my tickets for last night's game and might do something similar for um, Sunday's game against the Kraken. I thought I'd be back for it, but with it being a 1 p.m. game, I won't get back in time. So might do something like that for some tickets for that uh, that final Kraken game of the year. But uh, uh, overall, great start to the week. And I am uh, I'm fired up for uh, tomorrow, fired up for the draft, and um, just looking forward to uh, watching these games here. Although I will miss being at the arena for the next three games. Normally I would, uh, would certainly be there. Um, but Remo, great show. And uh, listen, tomorrow's going to be great as well. We've got lots to get to with Mike McIntyre. And um, I know we didn't spend a lot of time breaking down everything that happened on the weekend. As far as the ice goes, we'll do that tomorrow with Munzee and tee up game three out in Prince Albert tomorrow. Yeah, that'll be uh, real fun. That's something we're definitely keeping an eye on. And I'm just glad this worked. You know, you're in Vegas, we're doing the show, we can go live on location, all this equipment that, you know, you took to Saskatoon. Uh, I didn't even need, you know, I hadn't, hadn't even unpacked it. It was just sitting in a box still from when you brought it back. So 
Uh, we're fully capable of well, taking the show anywhere. This is very exciting. Well, listen, I want to do something out at the Gold Eyes. We might pop out for the uh, ice at some point, maybe do a show uh, before the Moose or in and around the Calder Cup playoffs as well. We have the ability to do it right now with the Roadcaster. And, uh, and as I said, going to be a real, real fun weekend, our week here in Las Vegas. And uh, I actually don't tell Gary this, Reem, but uh, I'm going to go see my buddy Danny right behind here and go cash that. Can you see that? Sharks last night against Vegas. <laughs> Unbelievable comeback by San Jose. I, I was more worried that they were, I had them plus one and a half. At plus 117, I, I will say this, betting against the Golden Knights in Vegas, uh, the odds are better than anywhere else, just because I think so many people are here and just naturally throw it on the Golden Knights, certainly considering what happened in year number one. Uh, but the end of that game was absolutely bananas. Mark Stone hit the post on an empty net. The Sharks go down and score with 0.4 seconds left and then win in a shootout. And tomorrow, maybe we'll do something on this game. Really, the only thing that is still left to be determined is who's getting that eight seed. And the Stars can clinch it if they beat the Vegas Golden Knights tomorrow in regulation. That'll be the one big game going on tomorrow in the, uh, in the National Hockey League. But a big, big slate. And I'll be able to break down all the lines here for you. Live from the D Hotel, Bar Canada, Circus Sportsbook all week long. And uh, we'll have Andy Mack join us live here uh, either Thursday or Friday on the program and talk about everything going on around the NFL draft as well. A great first show. Uh, we do have to get out right now, but I do want to thank all of our sponsors, Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge, Breezy Bend, Wallace & Wallace, F Apparel, Vita Health, Culligan Water, Royal Sports, Manitoba Battery, Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Boston Pizza, Not Auto Corp, Little Brown Jug. Congrats to Little Brown Jug. Also won a Winnipeg Nightlife Award on the weekend. Cool Bet Canada, Canadian Club, and uh, Wallace & Wallace, as I mentioned. And by the way, with Cool Bet, if you are wanting to get on those games tonight uh, or at any point, we'll do a big playoff preview show when it comes to the odds next week. Maybe I'll lean in and on a couple of my other fellow Coolbet ambassadors to come on the program for that. Uh, but use the promo code WST on your first deposit. Get a 100% bonus up to 200 bucks. All right. That's going to do it for us from Bar Canada at the D Hotel in Las Vegas. Great first day of the week here in Sin City. Thanks to Michael Remus for uh, making it all happen. Thanks to myself for not screwing it up as well. But most of all, thanks to all of you. Really appreciate the support, both for the Winnipeg Nightlife Award, for the radio station podcast, and uh, just being with us each and every day. Shout out to everyone with us live on YouTube. Thanks to you podcast listeners. Enjoy the action tonight. Go Raptors, and we'll be talking Jets and more tomorrow with you here on WST Live from LV. Have a great night. Oh, my God. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.